<laughs> since this is your show, <laughs> since you got the topics and everything. Well, not well. Like I said, I'm I'm the John Stockton to the Call Malone. So okay, I'll, I'll do the dish up in the sit. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome everyone to the world's greatest podcast. Barack Obama approved. The only president we really acknowledge. That's right. <laughs> o- only president we need to acknowledge. Absolutely. Exactly, man. Exactly. So. Uh, with uh, you know us being in Black History Month, being Black brothers, we got to talk about some Black shit. You know the NBA and Black <laughs> This is this is a very Black episode of Hyphenation. Yes, man. Put, put your Chuck D, Public Enemy in the background. Lace up your Black leather boots. And, you know, do some nigga shit. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> CB4 would be proud. They'd be exactly. so proud of us. I'm black, y'all, and I'm black and black, y'all. Black and the black, the exactly. black, y'all, black, y'all. <laughs> so just in case you didn't realize, this, this, Mark is showing Mad Love Robinson, my semi-regular co-host, is here. And, and I told him, I was like, yo, we got to do Black Panther. He's like, when you ready? <laughs> and I was like, uh, Tuesday, I should be good? He's like, okay, be ready. And I was like, I'll be ready. So... <laughs> So yeah, like he said, we're gonna bring you a whole bunch of NBA stuff. Oh, I'm Kellen Conley, by the way. Your your normal host. <laughs> <laughs> the Malone to his Stockton in this equation. But I got I got notes, man. I sat down today and I got some oh the especially the Chris Paul section, I got some thoughts. <laughs> oh shit. So All uh right. take it away, Marcus. Alright, so let's get into it, man. Alright, so alright, so we just had the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl Sunday a couple of weeks ago. You covered that on a previous podcast. So the uh, unfortunately, the Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions, and that's <laughs> terrible. Because you're a Redskins uh, fan, just like my wife. Yeah, yeah, man. It's just it's just slow for us this year. But so we just really came off what I would consider a very lackluster season, um, very underwhelming for the vast majority of the season. The Super Bowl, even though I hate both teams, the Super Bowl, you know, had its good moments. But we're coming off of a lackless NFL season, and we're coming off half of the the NBA season. We just had uh, All Star Weekend, and so we're gearing up really for the playoffs. And so, really, the NBA season really starts now. Absolutely. So I wanted to I wanted to ask you. So, what has been better this year? The the first half of the NBA season. For the entire NFL season. First half of the NBA season. I, yeah, I don't even remember a lot of the NFL other than the major injuries and who won the Super Bowl, remember. And in fact, my fantasy team let me down so hard. Uh, well, I came second place, so it didn't let me down too much. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, I got your money. Don't worry. I will get that to you soon, soon enough. It's in, <laughs> it's in safe hands. I do have your money, though. All right, cool. Just in case you're wondering about your uh, 30 bucks there. (laughs) Hey, man, you're good for it. I know you're good for it. I try. But, um, 
But but yeah, this NFL season was really about injuries, weird ass protests, and like basically what Blake Bortles almost being the Super Bowl quarterback. Like, that's that's the only thing I want to remember from this god awful season. But the NBA, the NBA is drama nonstop. It's my favorite soap opera. I love it. Oh, it, it's my second favorite soap opera next to professional wrestling. So I'm right there um, with you. <laughs> I mean, you know, if LeBron hits it in the head with a steel chair, I mean, you know, it's it's a wrap. It's it's Hall of Fame status. Oh man, like uh, the memes, the memes of D Wade. And LeBron on the bench after Wade got traded, and they're like, and Dwayne's like, we'll just trade everybody, and LeBron's like, we, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no. oh man, like just the just the memes alone that this NBA season has been just totally killer. The the memes and gifts. I mean, my favorite one, uh, underrated one, was when Kevin Love gets the rebound and he like hands the ball off to it like he's a like he's a three-year-old. Oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, or how about when uh, he falls down and nobody picks him up right after everybody called him out? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, the, the Cavs were so dysfunctional. They, they really are, they man. Are. It, it's they ridiculous are, man. that they're the they power the Eastern Conference with their comedy levels. And now apparently you know they, they, they might start doing it with the talent on the basketball court. <laughs> I mean, it's so funny. Like the the Cavs have more drama than virtually any team in professional American sports, and like it's so weird. They flipped over their like half of their roster, and they're going to be in NBA Finals again. So <laughs> I don't think they're going to win it, but they're going to at least be there. So yeah, I, I think so too. Because Boston's showing uh, chinks in the armor now. Um, yeah. I mean, I think. I think LeBron here here's a hot take. Here's a hot ass take. I think <laughs> LeBron picked Kyrie on purpose. Cuz what he what did, he picked him for the All-Star his team in the All-Star game on purpose. Cuz what he did was he got Kyrie to lower his his defenses. And now he's in he's in Kyrie's head now because you saw him on the bench. I mean, everybody always says, "Oh, everybody, oh, we're good friends off the court, yada yada yada." But you saw them having a genuinely good time. And I even tweeted at one point, Cleveland's front office is a real problem in Cleveland, which we now pretty much has it confirmed that all the times they tried to trade Kyrie and everything else, and the fact LeBron wouldn't commit is a reason why. Kyrie wanted out of there. It wasn't directly related to LeBron, and LeBron wasn't directly related to Kyrie. So, with all of that said, I think I think LeBron's getting Kyrie to let his defenses down, man. I mean, he first of all, he's a flatter shooter, so there's no time what's going on in his skull. <laughs> he went to Duke too for ten oh, games. Man. Ugh. He went to do for 10 games, man. And first of all, let's quick sidebar. Mike Krzyzewski, you, you are a one-and-done coach now. Let's, let's put it – we're putting that to rest now. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but he loves to complain about, like, Calipari. But, no, nah, man, you're doing the same damn thing now. He really is. But, yeah, man. But, yeah, but Kyrie, I mean, I think that – I don't know, man. I think I, – well, I do think the Eastern Conference Finals are probably going to shake out to where it's going to be Celtics versus Cavs. I hope it doesn't. I hope they don't get like the 
semifinal matchup, that'd be way too early. But, but. It, it could happen because right now the the top four is Boston. Um, who's got number two? Uh, Toronto Raptors. Yeah, yeah, Toronto. Three is Cleveland, and four is your Washington Wizards. So, yeah. it, it could shake out that way, man. We might we might get the re, the rematch in the second round. Uh, I hope it's not the second round. I, I, I mean, imagine, like, let's say, for example, Game 7. Let's say that the Cavs push the Celtics to a Game 7, like, in Boston, and imagine LeBron James dunking on top of Kyrie Irving, Marcus Smart, and somehow their head coach comes onto the floor and he gets dunked on too. <laughs> Brad Stevens is going to get this work. <laughs> Yo, Brad Stevens is going to get nuts in his face. It's going to be great, man. It's going to, like, that's all, I mean, because the NBA is so wild that, like, shit like that can actually happen. Yeah. Where in the NFL, either Tom Brady or Roethlisberger is going to the AFC uh, Super Bowl. And they're we're going to get some Super Bowl reps. Yeah, or, and we're going to get Mike Tomlin sideline face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, Mike F.C. needs to chill out, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, because even in the in, even in the NFC, I mean, I I said before, like Aaron Rodgers is my favorite player, but he gets constantly let down by his coaching staff and their defense, and just like the offensive players just getting hurt at the worst time. Yes, like, I don't know how Mike I mean, McCarthy has a job still. I don't either. Like I thought. Uh, I thought he was going to get fired this like this off season. I didn't think it was but, this year, but two seasons ago, I definitely thought. Or no, that was when they lost to the. Um, I don't remember who they lost in the playoffs, but there was. It was a year. It might have been the year after Rogers hurt his uh, broke his collarbone the first time, and yeah. they were just they were just awful, and they were making bad calls, and they they ended up barely making the playoffs, and it was like right there for them to get rid of him, but they won't do it. I don't understand. Yeah, man, I don't understand it either. I mean, he's just, I think he's just proven not to be that good of a coach. And, like, okay, so Aaron Rodgers goes out. Jordan, okay, and truth be told, Jordy Nelson, he is a below average wide receiver at best without Rodgers. We know this so, now. We can oh, yeah. completely say that. Because even when Rodgers went down the first time to bring that back up, I can't. Jordy was playing, and Jordy didn't do anything for that guy. Granted, he was way worse than the dude that uh, who was uh, Rogers' backup this year in Green Bay. You remember? Uh, Hunley. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the yeah. the guy who was backing up Rogers before is way worse than Hunley. Hunley was at least serviceable, and he actually made Devontae Adams a a Pro Bowler because Devontae yeah. Adams wasn't wasn't even on doing that well. Trust me, he's on my team. I was mad I drafted him, <laughs> and. He made him a pro bowler, and then Jordy wasn't doing anything. And you can say, oh, he's getting more coverage, da-da-da-da-da. It's like the cream rises to the top, and Jordy definitely wasn't rising this season. Yeah, man, because even – okay, I hate, I hate Bill Belichick, but look at what he did with Matt Castle when Brady went out. Okay, Brady goes down, but then you can finesse, like, your backup to at least give you 11 wins when I don't even think um, Hunley got – five wins after after Rodgers went down so I mean he just he's just not that good of a coach and I think that the, the NFL has proven that 
there's aren't a lot of good coaches. Like it is not. <laughs> not not when you have someone like Belichick at the apex. It, it's hard yeah, and, for the trickle down effect to be good then. And when how much are the Raiders? How much are your Raiders paying John Gruden? Like you guys, hundreds those, of guys millions. One hundred million dollars. Oh, man. <laughs> like that's that that tells you how desperate the NFL is just for coaches. I mean, and even I actually like Gruden. I'm a fan of Gruden, but if you're paying like a hundred million dollars to a head coach for a ten year contract or something like that, and I mean, I think with Derek Carr, um, I mean you guys have some talent on the offense. I don't know how the defense is going to hold up. You guys have great pass rushers, but I don't know about the secondary. The secondary has been bad. And like two years, two seasons ago, we were able to shoot it out with people. But then Derek regressed this season, and then Crabtree regressed, and Cooper regressed. And we couldn't do that this year. And that, and that killed us. That absolutely think, killed us. I think that's because, I guess, Card and I don't think you guys are Car Hill. Like, I mean, because he had a back injury in the playoffs, but and he was playing, like, basically the whole season, wasn't he? Uh, y- yeah. Yeah, because yeah. uh, he got hurt, like, uh, we had already clinched the playoffs, I think, and he got hurt the next game, um, and yeah. then he was out the rest of the year. And in this season, it was, like, right after the Redskins game when he got hurt, and yeah. he missed a couple weeks, and supposedly he had a major injury, but he was back three weeks later, and he just didn't look the same. Yeah, man. I mean, because I felt even bad when um, they tried to bring Rodgers back out to win that last game. And it was like, come on, man. Just just throw the season in. Okay, you got a half a chance of making the playoffs. And you're gonna re- he, he was going to be Angel's golden out. ticket. He was going to be Angel's golden ticket to the finals, <laughs> man. And I was like, oh, I just started seeing Aaron Rodgers touchdown, Aaron Rodgers touchdown. And I went to check the score later. I'm like, how come Aaron Rodgers barely has like twenty some points? Oh, he threw three picks. Nice. Yeah, like, yeah, man. Like, I mean, why would you risk your franchise player, probably the greatest quarterback that we've had like since, for, like since forever, for a half a chance at a wild card spot? Come on, man. Like, I bet you, if the Vikings weren't as good as they were this season, I bet you Rodgers never touches that field. Yeah, <laughs> I really yeah. feel like it was for Vikings related purposes. They're like, we're going to get in here and stop the Vikings. No, you're Probably not. Was, man. <laughs> was. All right, so we can definitely agree that the NFL has. I mean, NFL has definitely regressed, and they need something like they need coaches. They need like they need less concern about what people want to protest and the actual quality of their game. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> So, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So the N- NBA definitely holds the title of best professional sports. And looking at the All Star halftime show, they had bar none. Like, I mean, did you see the halftime All Star show? I did. I did not watch the All Star uh, halftime show. I, I missed Fergie. Caught a little of the first half and caught the last oh. couple minutes of the game. Man, oh man. So. I don't want to ruin a surprise if you can find a video. I'm sure I can. I, w- I will um, watch it for you. So tell me what I'm looking at. Well, you'll be looking at a lot, man. It's a lot of. It's a, <laughs> it is a lot of, uh, let's say, beautiful women dancing their very best. Oh, okay. And for, 
and Pharrell and NRD doing hits. Well, they're doing music from their last album. Um, it's very colorful, very lively. I didn't see some... nothing on Twitter about Nerd before when I had time, or I would have turned it on. Well, the best thing wasn't really Nerd. It was the dancers. So, oh, <laughs> so gotcha. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, when you look at it, you'll be, the first thing you'll think of is the NFL would never do this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, right. just check that out. That's my recommendation for this episode. There you go. The, the um, 2018 NBA ha- uh, All-Star Game Halftime Show brought to you yeah. by Marcus Robinson. That's his recommendation. <laughs> Definitely, man. Alright, so shooting away from the NFL and more into the NBA. So, I'm the Bulls are your team. The Wizards are my team. Yes. So, let's do, a, let's do some quick updates on our perspective squads. So, Quick update for you on uh, on your team. So the Bulls now the tank Zach is Levine. on. <laughs> uh, man, because I mean Zach Levine, man, I, I like a lot of the skill he has. He's shown in a couple of games he's been back. He's shown he's been real good. But are you guys gonna go full tank? <laughs> Uh, the the tank never stopped. It kind of did by accident <laughs> when Miritich came back. Because yeah, Mirit- Miritich came back and we went on like a seven game win streak, which is yeah. insane. Um, and then <laughs> next thing I know, I went. I went to a couple days later. I saw we had like lost a couple, and I was checking things out, and I saw we benched Miritich. And we weren't playing oh, nice. him, and he was healthy scratch. And then he he didn't want to go to New Orleans, so he, he had a no trade clause, despite the fact Bobby Portis punched him in the face. And uh-huh. uh, <laughs> then I guess he changed his mind, and he shipped on out to New Orleans. New Orleans, and that was that was about it. And then we got Levine back, yeah. and and Levine's and Levine's averaging nineteen. And uh, I don't, I can't think how many games he played so far. I'd say maybe about eight or eight. I'll say about eight yeah. games. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, I like what I see from us. It's not as abysmal as I thought it would be. We do have 20 wins, and that's good enough for, like, bottom 10 in the NBA. Uh, maybe even bottom five, because I saw the Hawks had, like, 18 wins. Yeah. So, the tank is on. Lori Markkinen is a joy, and I can't wait to see how he develops. Um, I think I th- I want to see if we are able to resign Levine because he's an unrestricted free agent after the season. I, th- oh, I believe he's unrestricted. I, d- I was checking salaries today. I did a lot of research because you always come up with good good <laughs> questions. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. And I th- I believe he's unrestricted free agent, so it'll be interesting to see if he actually comes back or if the Bulls are interested in bringing him back because he's getting out of his rookie deal, so he's going to be looking for some decent money and. I think the Bulls are going to be very cautious coming on, coming especially with him having an ACL, considering the way our got our hearts broken by Derek. So, I think that'll yeah. be interesting to see. And then uh, we have two big contracts at the top of our salary cap, and that's um, Robin Lopez and Omar Ashik, and they're they're both making a lot of money. Ashik was it from a trade, but we're going yeah. to have to move those contracts like. Our um, Lopez has two more seasons, and I think Ashik does too. But we we've got to move those that money. Uh, we got to move that dope and uh, make room for some <laughs> younger players, or make make some cap room to if we want to keep Levine to give him some decent money. 
um, and then go from there. And plus, think about marketing a couple years down the road because he's play- he's playing awesome. Uh, I'm very impressed with yeah. him. So the tank is on, but there is hope in Chicago. Surprisingly enough, I mean, y'all got to move those dopes, man. <laughs> I mean, I mean, because those, I mean, they're just not. I don't know, man. They're just not good value contracts for those players. Like, no, man. I mean, I mean, if Ashik anything, is 31 if, years old and Lopez is 29, and they're making they're making uh, double digits and millions right now. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, the only thing I can think of to trade away those contracts is going to be. I mean, I know you guys don't aren't going to do like a buyout, and I don't know if you want to trade graphics away. I wouldn't trade graphics. But I think you guys may have to eat that, just eat that large money. And then I think you guys should go after Levine. I mean, I think he's going to command, I think you're right, he's going to command like a lot of money, like wherever he goes. And I mean, the way he's playing playing so far, I think he deserves it. Yeah, Um, like some dumb team will give him a good amount of money. And if they do, his knee will probably hold up for the next eight years. I'm afraid we're going to give him a crazy amount of money and then he's going to crumple in game four next season (laughs) but that's just bad that's just because I've seen it before yeah I mean you got those Derrick Rose scars man those nightmares (laughs) Uh, dude I was watching um, I I didn't share this video with you but I shared the one about uh, Jordan versus LeBron it's a here's one of my recommendations Dom 2K Uh, he does NBA videos and 2K videos and he he did this Jordan versus LeBron argument video which is phenomenal and then he also is doing this um multi-part series and he has part one up of what he calls his greatest playoff series ever and it's 2009 Celtics versus Bulls in the first round and he it, yeah. it's really good and it's crazy watching he called uh he said that Kobe took over Ben Gordon's body in that series because in game two <laughs> Ben Gordon dropped like 40 some points on the Celtics the defending champs and yeah, shot the lights out yeah man so so I, 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 it's and then you see that rookie of the year Rose. It it just brings a tear to my eye, man. Because and we're going to get into Rose a little bit when we talk about Chris Paul. But it, oh, I do shit. have scars, man. Oh, it's not oh, nothing, man. nothing too heavy, but it definitely ties into why Chris Paul gets so much love from everybody. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So so before we even go to that, I just want to ask you so. I made I made my list of top ten points ever. Did you make a list? Top ten points ever? No, I didn't. I didn't make a list of oh Chris Paul. Oh. You mean? Yeah, I, I have. Well, I have a. I got some. I, I might as well made a top ten. I got a big old paragraph. Oh shit! <laughs> so, so I got some thoughts. I mean, oh, okay. I got some thoughts. Um, but what about your wizards? Before we move on to that, um, um, because well, man. Because Wall is out for another, what, five weeks? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Wall's going to be out at least another month. Uh, the Wizards, we're playing really well together. Uh, we went on, like, a five-game winning streak. Yeah, y'all um, are 7-3 in the last 10 games. Yeah, man. I mean, we're coming together. I mean, basically, Wall, whenever he comes back, it's basically going to be a... I mean, he was already a facilitator, anyway, but he's going to have to really be a facilitator, like not settling for mid-range jumpers. Um, and all, honestly, I think I think what really happened was Wall, I think Wall was hurt this whole season, mm-hmm. and he, like, never really healed. Because truth be told, like, he was our third best player, 
Like um, Bradley Bill definitely been the best player this year. And uh, Otto Porter, Otto Porter got that hundred million dollar contract, and he became like one of the Thanks best to the Brooklyn Nets players in the East. <laughs> Yo, oh man, I mean, yeah, they they kind of finessed this, but <laughs> I mean, and it's not really, it's not that big of a finesse because he actually has been one of the best wings in the East this year. Um, so he's doing a great job. Um, Ubre is developing along really nicely. Um, some of our bench players, they're doing pretty well. Yeah. And and then Walt Absence, we're doing, we're doing fairly well. Uh, but whenever the playoffs start, uh, my biggest concern is, you know, we've been first round wins, second round, then, you know, getting knocked out in a game seven last year where we should have won and beat the Celtics because we just did and we didn't capitalize. My whole thing is what are we going to do, like, in the playoffs and if we're really going to be successful in the playoffs. And I don't know, man. It's pretty close. Like, I mean, because whenever we – so whenever we get to we're, – we're number four now. Mm-hmm. And so that will put us in the series Indiana. And I think we can beat Indiana. But then our second-round matchup is either going to be Toronto, Boston, or Cleveland. And so that's when that's when the shit's gonna be real serious. Yeah. And so and so while if if my Wizards can't make the finals, I'll rather see Boston versus uh, Celtics. I'm sorry, Boston versus uh, Cleveland. But I mean I don't know, man. I mean we we definitely had playoff success against Toronto in the past, but uh, we swept them like uh, about three playoffs ago. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, this year, play, this year, Toronto Raptors, man, they're they're playing really fucking well. Like they they basically learned like to actually shoot the three. Yeah, so DeRozan has really learned. Really yeah, well. yeah. So I mean, uh, either him or Bill, they've been like the best two guards in the East, the best uh, shooting guards in the East. I mean, so so yeah, they're going to be a really hard out in Boston. I mean, I think Boston is, if anything, if we get a Kyrie versus Wall series, like, that'd be really, really fucking dope. Yeah, because you um, uh, I, you made the claim when you first came on the show that John Wall was the second best player in the Eastern Conference. And then I watched him in that Cleveland game earlier this year when LeBron had all those points. Like, I think he dropped 56 on y'all. And I was like, John Wall don't yeah, look right. Man. It's like, something's wrong. Like he, there's yeah, just something yeah. not right, and now we know he's been having knee troubles all season. I saw that I, maybe my my stats weren't accurate. I was on Basketball Reference, but I thought the Bucks had the fifth seed in the East. Uh, I'm looking right now, and the, the Pacers do. Okay, the Bucks have the Bucks fell to six. Well, okay, they're only they're only a half game out of five. Okay, but because I mean, that's a still. nightmare matchup for y'all though. Giannis in yeah. round one? Yeah, Giannis, whenever Giannis plays, it's like, he's gone off. I'm not going to lie. So, I mean, Giannis is going to be headaches for anyone. Any team not, I mean, if LeBron's guarding him, that's one thing. But, I mean, there are, what, six other teams in the East. That Here comes a hot-ass take. Oh, shit. Giannis could. No, 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 I'm not going to say could. Giannis could put the team on his back like Allen Iverson and oh, le- and lead them through the East and and bring oh, no, man. and he had and he has a healthy 
um, Jabari, man, I could see it, man. Like, if, if the Cavs aren't all the way there, they're still chasing the Cavs' armor. They're much better in the couple games they played. Boston, I'm just, I feel like they're, Boston is, you don't lose your big free agent signing in like the first five minutes of your game and not be a little snake bitten. And then obviously there's Toronto that everybody is saying that is going to come out. It could come out of the East as well. But if Giannis puts the team on his back, man, he could I put mean, a do an AI yeah. and take them to the finals. He ain't going to beat the Warriors. But he could be enough to beat everybody in the East this year. Yeah, like, I mean, I think, I don't know, man, because I think I think Brad Stevens is a good enough coach to where... Even though you want LeBron to dunk on him. Oh, I definitely want that. But, <laughs> but I think Brad Stevens is a good enough head coach to where he's going to be able to neutralize... He's going to be able to neutralize Giannis. Um, I, I still think that if playoff Braun straps up against uh, playoff Giannis, I still give the edge to LeBron. And and I'll, honestly, I think that other than the Celtics and the 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 Cavaliers, I don't think any team wants to really play uh, the Bucks in the first round because of Giannis. And I could really see, let's say, like for some reason, the Raptors go against the Bucks in the first round. I can really see Giannis putting up like forty-five a game against them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, absolutely! And I that mean, would be Toronto's luck in the playoffs too. Yeah, man. I mean, Toronto. I mean, they're doing great in the regular season, but they got to prove in the playoffs. And they're still haunted I mean, by the by the uh, Vince Vince Carter graduation game in two thousand and one. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, man. They got to prove it. They haven't proved it yet, so. I mean, I'm not. I'm counting them. I don't know. I, I don't trust. I don't trust Toronto at all. So I gotta <laughs> see that shit first. Yeah. But, but yeah, man. I think the. I think the Wizards can at least win a first round series, if we're not up against like the the Celtics or the Cavs. But then in the second round, like I said, we're going to have to play one of those teams, or Toronto, or even like the Bucks even. And so. If we can get the Bucks, I still give us the edge. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a slight edge, but I still give us the edge. But if it's like the Raptors, Celtics, and and uh, Cavs, I mean, it's going to be hard as fuck. Well, be- best of luck to you. My team will be sitting at home in April. So, well, best of luck on the tank, man. I hope thanks, you get the, man. I hope you get the first round pick you guys deserve. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we got Rose on a complete fluke. I feel like we're going to end up like the tenth pick or something like that. Yeah, that'd be the Bulls' I mean, luck. You, hey, when you're when you've been blessed with a once in a generation type player who brings you six championships, I, I don't feel like it's time for luck to smile down on you too anytime soon. <laughs> so, I mean, hey, I mean. You're, I mean, your owner chased everyone away. Your owner, like, uh, am I right? Like, your owner, like, didn't like Jordan or Pippen or not, not the owner. It was um, Jerry Krause, and he was the general oh, manager. Yeah, yeah. He's he's since yeah. passed, but he yeah. he was mad that he didn't get enough credit for the Bulls' success. So, and the Bull and Jordan and Pippen just didn't like him and Grant didn't like him. He was always trying to lowball players on contracts. He uh was interfering yeah. with player stuff 
It was that's constant. Why he, that's why he drafted Kukoc, right, instead of paying Scotty that money? Yes, he drafted he drafted Kukoc, and yeah. then Scotty's trying to renegotiate in 91, and, and like uh, the, in the Jordan rules, which I've mentioned many times on the show, uh, Krauss took like multiple trips to Yugoslavia to try to woo uh, Kukoc to NBA, and Kukoc yeah. was like, no, and Pippen's like, yo, what the fuck, bro? I'm like over here yeah. having the best season of my career, and I'm making nothing, and I'm trying to make sure my family's secure and everything, and and he was and that he finally signed a he signed a long term deal, which actually kept him in Chicago until '98. But then, like a couple years in, which is around after like after the first like after the '94 season, uh, Pippen realized that the deal was, I think it was front loaded. And so oh. that yeah, he wasn't really making as much, especially as he continued to progress as one of the best forwards in the league. He wasn't getting his just due, and he was locked into his contract. So there's no way that anybody's going to negotiate when like we got you till '98, Scotty. You're just got to shut up. And that's why the Bulls almost traded him because one, he became a distraction in '95, and two, he was constantly bitching about his contract. Yeah. Shit, man, you guys got some demons. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I mean, everybody's got them, and and I'm actually gonna again. That's something else I bring up when with uh, Chris Paul is uh, I, I mentioned something about him him asking to be traded and how he handled that, and I mentioned that Scotty did the same thing prior to Michael returning. So we'll come back to that. <laughs> nah, you know what? Nah, nah. I, you got this. This Chris Paul takes you want to get off your chest, man. We. We should go there now. What, what do you have to say about America's favorite nut puncher, Chris Paul? <laughs> All right. So the general consensus when it comes to Chris Paul, he's been in the league since 2006. First of all, let's go Mountaineers. We beat him in the, uh, the 2005 NCAA uh, tournament. In March Madness, the Mountaineers did when we had Pitts, Noggle, and Gansey, and we actually beat them in order to get to the Elite Eight. So that's first knock against them. <laughs> I mean, we had a good team that year, though. <laughs> but um, I, Chris Paul has, has been in the league since 2006, and the narrative always is Chris Paul is one of the best pure point guards one of the best point guards to ever touch the floor. And I'm going to do, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to do what my man Dom 2K did in his Jordan-LeBron argument, is I'm going to take out the whole playoff success thing. Because that, that's the major knock, is like, oh, he can't get out, he can't get the conference finals. And yeah. you can't get the conference finals, you're not an elite player. Um, not necessarily true. Uh, I, I will go ahead and say that, but Everybody's like Chris Paul is so good and he does so much. And I've I've looked at the Wikipedia page, I looked at the basketball reference page, I've seen the games where he's gone off, I've saw the playoff series like a couple we had in New Orleans. I watched game seven when they beat the Spurs a few years back to move on the second round. But here's the thing about Chris Paul, man. The reason Chris Paul is is heralded as so good. Is plain and simple. Where's it? Where's my notes? Because there was no one better than him before Steph became went Super Saiyan in 2014. There was nobody to really compare him to. 
And they're like from 2006 up until 2011 when Rose won MVP, like there was nobody there was nobody that was really challenging him. Because, look, Rose won MVP in 11, and we saw what happened to his career. Rondo had some great playoff series following that first championship in 2009, 2010, 11, 12 in Boston, and then he fell off the map with his attitude problems. Darren Williams was great in Utah until he got Jerry Sloan ran out of town, and then they in turn ran him out to New Jersey, and he hated it. He was never really the same. He had a couple good years in Jersey slash Brooklyn, but he wasn't the same. Then you got Steve Nash, who was coming off his MVP seasons when Chris Paul was coming in. And Steve Nash was still elite, an elite point guard for many years up until about eh, 2009, 2010, I'd say. And he was leading the Suns when the Suns had nobody after the seven and second seven seconds or less era, and and then you there, and then of course you have the Kyries and the John Walls coming in in more recent years. The, there's been nobody else to really compare him to that's even remotely as decent stat wise as he is. <laughs> Can Chris Paul run an offense? Yes. Can he see the floor well? Yes. But when I think of a point guard that's elite, I think of the things that Rondo was doing in Boston. Like, And Rondo was a king of getting triple doubles in Boston. But the thing with Rondo is he saw the floor in a way that nobody else on the floor was seeing it. I don't see Chris Paul seeing the floor like that. I see Chris Paul being a, a, a leader, yes, and I see him leading the offense, but I don't see the vision that I feel like an elite point guard has to have. And that has always bugged me. So, so that's my main knock against Chris Paul. It's like, yeah... The stats are there. He's had great games. He has all-star selections. He has first-team selections. He was part of one of the biggest um, rejected trades in history, which could have brought Kobe another title. Um, he obviously has the tools, but I just feel like there was nobody to really compete with him on that level. And like, if you look back a little bit further at other great point guards, like here, Gary Payton, Gary Payton was an elite defender. Um, he didn't see the floor as great as I'll even say Chris Paul sees it a little bit better. But Gary Payton also had was a scorer and did whatever necessary from the point guard position in order to help his team. And then against Payton, you have John Stockton, who was coming into his prom and out of his prom and still is probably one of my favorite point guards of all time. Just because, again, Stockton was a scrappy defender, great floor vision, and he was a leader. And then you go, you can go throughout the um, NBA history and just see where you can kind of have the totem pole or not totem pole, so to speak, but you can see the comparisons between different guards and stuff. Magic Johnson was an anomaly. There was nobody else in the league that was close to Magic. But there was still some people out there who you look at their stats a given season and be like, oh, well, I can see where they, they could possibly be compared to Magic in this year. Does their career compare? Hell no. That's Magic Johnson. So the argument's a little different from Magic. But with Chris Paul and with the... um parity in the league by 2006 that's why he gets so much credit for what he did he's done in his career 
And that's why, I mean, he's a shoo-in for Hall of Fame because there was nobody to put him up against until Steph went nuclear in 2014 and became this two-time MVP, dangerous, no matter where he is, the floor guy that he wasn't before he was the my ankles messed up guy. Now he's (laughs) Steph fucking Curry. And that, that just changes everything. And that really hurts his narrative, too. But um, I, I've talked enough, but just let me see if there's anything I want to take off from my paragraph here. I mentioned that Tony Parker won two titles since he's been in the league. One was, like, uh, the year after he got in the league. And, of course, he won in 14. Um, so that, that I don't know if that necessarily hurts him, but, I mean, Tony Parker was in his conference and doing elite stuff. It did hurt Paul to be on the Hornets, and the Hornets didn't have enough money to bring him by, and I'll give him that. Westbrook is a statistical anomaly, is what I put because of all the triple doubles. I said Paul's a better point guard. I'd still take Russ over Chris. <laughs> and the last wow. thing that bugs me, I'll still take Russ over Chris. That's last, a hot ass take, man. Last thing that bugs me is, um, I, and this is just my personal opinion. I didn't like it when Scotty did in Chicago. When you, when you want to get out, when you say I want to be traded. And, and Scotty kind of copped to it, so that didn't make it so bad. He was like, yeah, I don't want to be here. <laughs> like, if you don't want to be there, I know that you don't want to piss off the fans. You don't know if you'll be able to be moved. But, I mean, just own up to it. Be like, look, we're trying to work this out and this, that, and the third. I want to be here. I don't want to be here. Just say it. And I never liked the way Chris Paul handled it. Like, even with Melo, like... At least people's like, Mello, what, uh, you want to be traded, right? And Mello's like, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> and, and then eventually he, he got traded. So, that, that, okay, so that's my opinion on uh, Chris Paul. Okay, so I'm going to name five names. Okay. And I want you to tell me if the person that I name is better than Chris Paul. Okay. All right, Magic Johnson. Yes. Oscar Robinson. Yes. John Stockton. Yes. Steph Curry. Yes. Isaiah Thomas. I don't like Isaiah, but yes. <laughs> okay. That's an old so, Bulls Bulls feud coming back, but Isaiah was amazing. Okay. Oh, that was so Matt. There was Magic's measuring stick. Isaiah Thomas. Sorry, he did have a measuring stick. All right. So. Those five names are five point guards I definitely have above Chris Paul as my all-time like best point guards. And I'm going to name five more names, okay? Okay. All right. So you tell me if they're better than Chris Paul. All right. Steve Nash. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, Jason Kidd. Come on, man. You can't say yes. You cannot say yes. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. Oh, man. That is a hot-ass take, man. Okay. All right, so Gary Payton. Yes. Tony Parker. No. Okay, so... Parker's lack of outside shot bugs me. Well, yeah, he, he's, he's not that good of a, a scorer, but all yeah. right, so, well, the point of that exercise was that is my top 10 list, and so on my, my top 10 list, I have Chris Paul at number six as the best point of all time. Now, I can see an argument for Nash because 
I mean, basically what Harding is Harding's doing now is basically what Nash did for the Suns is mm-hmm. like shoot more threes. Yeah. Um but and even for Jason Kidd, like he started in the league as a as a great passer and a good defender, and then he left the league as a good like shooter but you know, bad defense. And I think everything you said is right about Peyton, like he was a great on ball defender, probably one of the best on ball defenders. I'm biased by the alley oops, though. I gotta say, I am biased by the Sean Kemp alley oops. <laughs> but no, I mean, he, I mean, no, he was a really great passer in that respect, though. So, I still think I still have Paul at number six all time. Um, I definitely think Steph has already passed Paul. Like that's, I think for the, I think for the, for the great score that Steph is, and also. It's not underrated that Steph has really great court vision. Also, mm-hmm. that's that's a little like played to the back when we're be talking about Steph Curry, but he sees the floor really well. Um, but I think that, I mean, I think for sure, like I don't think any arguments against like Oscar Robinson or Magic or Isaiah and even Stockton. I have Stockton as my number three all time. I love everything that Stockton did. Yeah, uh, he was a he was a great defender. Like he was. I feel like he was one of the first players I knew that, like, really played the passing lanes. And a lot of what John Wall does, like, he, he basically plays the passing lanes to get steals. And he's, like, the he has the most steals in NBA history. And he's, like, an amazing assist man, always to the floor well, and distributes the ball, like, really, really greatly. So I love, I love everything that Stockton did. Um, and Isaiah was, I mean, he, I guess... He got real, sort of riddled by injuries in the early '90s, and that's yeah. sort of how like the Pistons like eventually fell to the Bulls. Um, but Isaiah has been Isaiah is underrated because he's kind of an asshole in real life. Yeah, that, so, that's, that's exactly why. Yeah. Like, I don't like Isaiah. But yeah, you, I mean, Isaiah dropped 25 points on a, a twist, a severely twisted ankle in 1988 NBA Finals, and if he hadn't twisted his ankle, they would have beat the Lakers that year. Yeah. I mean, who does that? Assholes. Yeah, <laughs> oh, definitely. Because it's funny because I mean, Magic Johnson, like, they were like really, really good friends, and then like when the whole AIDS thing came, like it was a lot of rumblings that like Isaiah like was scared to be around him, and I mean that's that's fucked up. That's like so fucked up. Yeah. Even, like you can't even like make excuses for that, but. But yeah, man, like him being an asshole aside, he's still one of the greats. But but yeah, I mean, Chris Paul, he definitely tapped a couple of sacks in his day. <laughs> he's the he's the all time sack tapper in NBA. <laughs> yeah, it, Draymond's trying to catch up, but he definitely Paul definitely oh, is tapped way more. <laughs> he was tapped way more sacks, man. But but yeah, man, I think. I think I think you do have a point in sort of how, like, and Paul sort of air, there wasn't necessarily a lot of competition, and by him being on the horns when their teams like really didn't have much, like it's easy for him to be the lead when there's no one else there. And I do, and also I do think that if he would have came to the Lakers, like that actually, I think either way, him going to the Lakers shifts the Lakers' historical narrative. And by him, like, going there for, like, literally, like, 20 minutes and then getting vetoed, like, that shit their narrative, too, because, I mean, I think you're right. I think he, I think Kobe wins at least another one. 
that changes Kobe's history. Yeah. Where, I mean, I, I definitely think LeBron is better than Kobe, but if Kobe gets like a six ring, and then he's, and like, let's say like him and LeBron actually meet in the finals, like that would have been fucking spectacular. Mm. But, I mean, but Speaking that's my language. Yeah, but that, that never happened, so we can't really tell. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think, I think they definitely like, I don't, I don't know why, like, I don't know why they, I mean, I, I know why, but in the sort of like rhetorical sense, I don't know why they wouldn't want that to really happen. But, but yeah, man, I mean, I think, I think we both agree that Chris Paul is a Hall of Famer. Uh, he, if he taps less sacks, he's more likable human being. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, it is what it is, man. Don't get up to the game. I mean, I just thought of I something mean, else that bugs me about him too. It, it, the temper bothers me too and I'll tell you why because it reminds me of somebody his temper reminds me of Vernon Maxwell's temper like, I feel uh, like he could be that close to being stops just short but he, I think he has a Mad Max temperament and that bugs me wrong Mad Max on the basketball court was amazing to watch in the 90s but Mad Max had problems and that's why he, he lost out on that second championship in Houston well no like yeah he legitimately had like Mental problems. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, mean, I, I, funny, I used to, I used to like, you know, fuck with the Rockets heavy, but then he was just gone, and I didn't even know why until I saw that. Um, I guess that NBA, the Rockets documentary, yeah, the NBA TV, man. and so yeah, so, so yeah, man. I mean, I think, I think you're right. Chris Paul definitely had the temper, and we'll always remember the film yelling at DeAndre to dunk the ball when he got that rebound. <laughs> but it's like, I mean, yeah, I think, I think a lot of the times, like, like I think LeBron definitely has a temper. Oh, and, yeah. And yes. He definitely, but LeBron is smart enough to spaz on people when the cameras are off. And, I mean, I mean, Jordan did it, too. I mean, Jordan punched out Steve Kerr in practice. So, yeah, Jor- Jordan's temper is infamous. Yeah, so, I mean, but they're at least smart enough to do it, you know, behind closed doors. We don't know about it. It's like years later or whatever. Yeah, you, you heard about the LeBradford Smith game, right, against the Bullets, like in 93? What happened? Uh, LeBradford Smith played for the Bullets uh, in the mid-90s, and... Jordan said, like during, a, I think they were playing Washington. Jordan said LeBradford Smith was talking shit, like in a previous game, and so Jordan the preseason game. No, yeah, in a, a, the preseason game. yeah, and then Jordan went into Washington and proceeded to light y'all up for like forty yeah. some points, and then like reporters went to LeBradford Smith and was like. So what did you say to Jordan? And he's like, I don't, I don't remember saying anything. <laughs> People think yeah. that. Jordan fabricated this just to get up for this uh, random regular season game against y'all, and he just lit y'all up. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember Because no I one's mean, ever confirmed. <laughs> I mean, Jordan's crazy as fuck, man. He probably yes. gambled on whether people would really pay attention or not. So. He, he probably. Uh, yeah, man. Oh, man. So that's my opinion on Chris Paul, man. That's why. That's how I feel. I mean, I had I had some other things I jotted down. Um, I, I really feel like Darren Williams did hurt him some in my eyes because Darren Williams I mean, came out of nowhere. Like he was decent, but I mean, no one expected him to be as good as he was in Utah, and I think that I mean, kind of hurt him. 
But the thing is, you gotta you gotta remember, like that was a debate really, like between them two, who's the I best know. player in the league. And, so. and I feel like I feel like that. I always felt like Williams was the better one. Like even up until he I got traded, too. I always felt like Williams was better. So I did too. I did too. That that hurts the argument. And then of course, like when no one expected Rose to win MVP in his third year in the league. And no one expected Steph Curry to show up in 2014 and become Steph Curry. Like, that's just yeah. bad luck. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, I, I just, I don't get, I don't like all the alter war, sh- war gets. Like, they put him on this pedestal, like, Chris Paul is the greatest point guard. Like, Simmons does it. And then, like, and then they'll trash him, like, for the next six paragraphs. But then, like Chris Paul is like a phenomenal point guard, and I watch him like he's good, but I don't see I don't see the rest of it that goes with it. It's just I think it's accumulation of his career. I mean, because I mean he's a he's a good defender, he can score, but he holds the ball way too much when he dribbles, and that's that's I think that's the reason why because even in for like um, Houston and Houston games now. Like, I think that's why they scaffold his time with Harden because, like, they'll start with each other, but then Harden will take over, he'll sit, and then Chris Paul will come in and play. But that's because, like, uh, Chris Paul, he just holds the ball too long. Mm-hmm. Because even the thing when he was in L.A., like, the running joke was, like, like they wouldn't run a play until seven seconds up in the shot clock. Right, I mean, and I saw that. Yeah. I saw that so much, especially, yeah. I think it was 2014, the year that the Rockets came back on him and beat him. I was yeah. watching those games, and I'm like, what's taking it long to get into their offense? I don't understand. Yeah. And it was because Chris Paul wasn't initiating the offense. Yeah. He was taking his time. Like, dude, what, what are you waiting for? This isn't the 90s. Why are you slowing things down so much? Yeah, he dribbles way too fucking much. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I mean, and also, I mean, even though I know you said take away the playoff stuff, but I mean, that does, I mean, I mean, that does all play a factor in it, too. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're not get, if you're not getting it done, like, on that stage, then I mean, that's, I mean, that's going to kind of miss you. I mean, people, I don't think we should hold Barkley not getting a championship against him because his career was stellar. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, but even in those playoffs, like, the year they made the finals, like, Barkley deserved that MVP. Like that wasn't like that wasn't like Steve Nash getting the second MVP from like Kobe. Like that was like no Barkley is just as good as player as Jordan, and he's doing a lot of good shit for the Suns. Yeah, and, he and took so, yeah, he took so. a second round playoff team and made them into his behemoth that lasted yeah. until he left to go to Houston. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. I mean, all, everything counts. Like, I mean, I, I think everything should. So. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I just wanted to leave that out of that conversation, but in, in encompassing everything, of course, I'm gonna be like, can't get in the conference finals. Come on, bro. <laughs> yeah. I'll, well, I'll be petty then. Oh man, terrible. <laughs> all right, so, all right, so we can we agree that you know. Topping less nuts is a good thing for anybody, no matter who you are. <laughs> um, all right, so, well, we don't even need to stay on this topic very long because I think the answer is pretty obvious, but does anyone really have a chance of beating the Warriors in the finals? Uh, yes or no answer, I'm going to say no. 
Yeah, um, exactly. If I yeah. have to give other answer, I'm going to say the Rockets do, possibly, um, just because they're playing so phenomenal, and they're going to have the MVP finally. Harden's going to get it this year to answer that other question you had. And then, of course, you can never rule out LeBron if he manages to get in the finals again. I mean, I think if anything, it's going to go to game six in the finals. But, I mean, the thing is, I'm telling you, like, I mean, everyone knows it's like the NBA season really does start after All-Star. And when we see, like, Golden State going that 20-game win streak, like, we're, we're, we're going to be reminded why they're going to win in the finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 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 also, quick, quick question. Um, well, you already answered it, so you think Harden will be the MVP this season? Harden should be MVP. I'd say closest to him would be LeBron's having a great year. Um, I don't think they're going to give I, – I, I don't think I see a sentimental vote coming to LeBron yet. So I don't, I don't think LeBron steals it. Um, KD's also having a great year, Durantula. Uh, but I don't, I don't see the Warriors getting rewarded um, in, unless Durant just takes his game to a whole other level next couple months. And no, man, I, I don't think anyone on the Warriors deserves to win MVP for that. That's, that's, that's what I'm, that's, that's what I'm thinking too. I'm thinking yeah. too. But I mean, if if Durant averages like 35 a game until April, and the Warriors lose like four games, you kind of have to have that serious conversation. No, nah, man. No, no, we don't. No, we do not. No, we do not. <laughs> I, I would have a conversation. But I think Harden finally gets it after he lost it last year and then 15. He's leading the league in points, 31.3. And he's leading in the player efficiency rating, 30.5. Um, he's averaging 9.3 assists with Chris Paul on his team. Another reason why Chris Paul's not elite. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing, the thing is, like, I, I mean, I agree. I think Harden's going to win. But the thing with D'Antoni's teams is whenever the playoffs, like, come and teams get deeper. Well, teams, they don't get deeper. Team rotations get super tighter. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to have, like, lax teams in the playoffs anymore. I think I think Harden I think Harden may do what he did in the first series last year when the game was on the line. He made three. So, I mean, because in all honesty, I mean, I mean, I think that even beginning of the season, like we pretty much knew that the quarter, like the the quarterfinals in the West would be, um, you know, Warriors, Timberwolves, Rockets, and OKC, and I think it's still going to be the same. I mean, it would have been different if Boogie would have been healthy, but I mean, he's outside. Yeah, they were still struggling though. I mean, Boogie, uh, uh, they should have been they should have been like five games better than what they were. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know if that's to blame on coaching or just on the fact that while Davis and Boogie play really well together, that they hadn't quite figured out everything they needed to rotation-wise. So, uh, right. yeah, just wanted to make that point. <laughs> well, no, you're right. You're right about that, I agree. Um, but, I mean, because right, so whenever it gets to the quarterfinals in the Western, they're going to be more than likely probably going to play like the Timberwolves or – uh, OKC, and I actually think, I mean, they're playing really well, but I mean, I can see Jimmy stay, sticking to Harden the entire season, um, the entire series, and making it hard on them and forcing everyone else to beat them. My I mean, man, I, I'd be good serious. My man Jimmy sat out the All Star game because he knew that Tibbs was going to run, was going to keep running him into the ground. Because I think Jimmy's leading the oh, league in minutes. Man. He's like, he's like, I don't oh. care if I don't play. I, I I saw a stat where 
the Timberwolves have their starting five have played like more minutes than any unit in the NBA. That's and insane. Appar- and apparently it's by like 300 minutes or something ridiculous like that. So That's insane because so yeah. it, it goes back to Derek's injury and it's like the whole thing with that is, yeah, he's already playing Dang and Butler and Rose crazy minutes, but we're in like less than six minutes left in the game against Philly and Rose is out there and we had the lead assured like we had the game in hand and Derrick Rose is still out there and then here we are seven years later still talking about Tom Thibodeau playing his players too much I just find that quite funny yeah man I mean because I mean that's the that's the thing that Scott Scotty Brooks is going to have trouble with our team because I mean he's he's just not that good at rotations like that's Mm -hmm. like that's sort of the thing that like Steve Hurst and Brad Stevens, like they have mastered really well. Like they don't have to run their best players in the ground because even if even if their second unit, like you know, fucks up, like keep the same rotations the way they are. Rest your fine players, and that's and Pop is an innovator of that. Like Pop will sit their best players on national televised games against great opponents. And to say fuck it, if we lose, we lose this ex- this we lose this regular season game, mm-hmm. but we'll be healthy for the playoffs. And so, so yeah, man, Tips. I don't think Tips has really learned, and I hope Butler and Cat and Wiggins. I hope they all stay healthy, but um, but yeah, man, Tips is definitely gotta let that shit go. Yeah, I I just. I don't know, man. I mean, if if it works someday and he wins the title with it, then it's all good. But I feel like he missed that window when Derek went down. And I yeah. really think, and that's part of the reason why I think that he did start to lose a team in Chicago, especially with Rose still trying to be the leader and Butler coming on, and then management wanted to limit minutes and he didn't want to do it. I, I really feel like he, he lost the team over minutes in Chicago. He's only in year two in Minnesota, yeah. so I, I could. Pop, I mean, who knows? Maybe he's going to be able to pick up some parts that'll help the rotations going in the future. But I could see him having the same problem another two or three years in Minnesota, even if they're successful. Yeah, man. He. I mean, he. I mean, he basically was doing what Scotty Brooks did in OKC. Was basically we're gonna we're gonna run our stars heavy minutes. We're not going to space them out necessarily that greatly, and then by the time the season ends, like they're going to be gassed. And so, mm-hmm. like I said, hopefully, hopefully, Tibbs gets that together. Well, um, yeah, man. So we covered the East, we covered the West. We still think the Warriors are the best, and we can put that to rest. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so I'm I'm still all in for the season. Um, I definitely can't. Can't wait to see what my squad does. See what Wall uh, comes when he comes back. Mm-hmm. See if uh, see if the Raptors collapse finally. I'm interested yeah. to see Blake in Detroit, man, because they're only a couple. I think they're in tenth place right now, and I know that they've they've lost a couple games since Blake got there. They went their first three or four when he was there, but I still feel like having Blake Griffin on your team is does more good than bad. And so yeah. I, I want to see if they can sneak into that eighth seed. I don't expect them to upset anybody in round one, but 
I mean, that could have an effect later on. Like, if Boston has to deal with Blake Griffin for five or six games, um, and then moving forward, especially with Horford and uh, uh, Smart and all them having to try to guard the best big men if he's healthy in the league. So, I, that's something I have my eye on. Yeah. I think another thing I have my eye on is if Swaggy P and JaVale McGee do silly shit the rest of the season. <laughs> that's, that's what I got my eye on, man. These fools, these fools left D.C. and went to the fucking Warriors, man. And I'm still on about that shit. <laughs> you have every they were, right. They were total clowns in, in D.C. And, then, and this guy, JaVale McGee, was a fucking rat tail, man. Come on, man. This shit is crazy. Mm-hmm. And now he's an NBA champion. He's playing meaningful minutes in the NBA Finals, getting blocks off. Oh, my God. I was so mad when I saw that shit, man. Oh, Steve, Steve Kerr changes lives, man. He does, man. He totally does. I fuck with Steve Kerr. Heavy. So, <laughs> so, yeah, man. All right. And so, all right. So, we definitely covered the uh, NBA playoff. Well, NBA playoff picture. Oh, yeah. And so, we can... So oh yeah! Now it's time for the real, real, real show. <laughs> Hyphenation <Yeah>. Fifty Three, <laughs> Wakanda Forever. Oh no question. No we question. here. We here. We here. Oh my God! Oh my God, Marcus. Man, so this movie, Black Panther, shares a lot of calls from the mine included, guns included. So let's let's definitely get into this Wakanda talk. I'm here for it. All right. So now before we even talk about the movie, what were your expectations before you even even saw the movie? Did you pay attention to the hype? Did you try to ignore it? How do you how do you feel like going into the movie? Well, actually walking in, I was ecstatic. Like I went to lunch with Gary and Anthony right before. And like I was... I was like a kid, like getting ready to go get this toy that I've been dying to get my hands on. Yeah, you know, I was like sitting there, I'm like, like ordering food, and like the waiter's taking mad long and talking. I'm like, oh my god, just shut up. And the movie like didn't stop for another hour and a half, and I was just like, <laughs> like get out of my face and like shut up, scarfing down my food. I was just so excited. Now prior to the week leading up to it. Even I'll say the month leading up to it, prior to um, everything else, I, I saw the casting decisions. I saw what was come together. I had saw um, Civil War, of course. I I didn't feel I didn't feel like an overwhelming excitement. I don't. I it didn't hit me how major it was until this past month and definitely this last week leading up to me going to see it on Sunday. Uh, so I, my expectations were low and then by the time Sunday came before I went to go see it, my expectations were through the roof and I knew, I had no doubt that they would be met. Like, I just knew it. I, I knew they were going to get a home run and it, it's, it's incredible what, yeah, uh, it's just incredible, man. Yeah. For, what about you? I mean, because. Because, I mean, we got the news of it coming out like a year and a half ago, like mm-hmm. a year and some change ago. Yeah. So I definitely didn't want to be too excited 
Um, but you know the cast, the cast. I, I'm all for Ryan Coogler, so the director of Black Panther. So. Oh man, Creed I, is one of my yeah. favorite movies. Um, Fruitvale yeah. is amazing. Yeah, man. And so I didn't. I wanted my expectations like super low, mm-hmm. and then people kept people kept talking about it from like seeing the premieres, and they were hyped. They're like giving it really, really good reviews. I still wasn't paying attention. Somehow I saw that Rotten Tomatoes did a 97, and I still was trying to ignore that. And I was still trying to keep the expectations very, very low. And then soon as the screen went black, and then the story of Wakanda's history started, I was all in. I was immediately all in. And so, so yeah, man. I tried to keep the expectations low. I did not buy into the hype. But by the end of the movie, like, I... I was well deep into the hype. I was so into the hype. Dude, like, I, I, I haven't seen it twice, but I feel wow. like this movie is going to have a profound effect on the rest of my life. And I, I, I promise you it will be better the next time you see it because it was better for me the second time I saw it. <sighs> my God. Um, yes. what, what was I getting ready to say? Um, Eric... Eric was actually on episode 11 when we reviewed Civil War, and he asked me what was my favorite part. And I was like, he expected me to say Spider-Man. And I said Black Panther. And Ooh. yeah, way back in episode 11, this is right like a week after Civil War dropped. And he was like, oh, really? I was like, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, the Spider-Man parts are good, but I've seen, I've seen that. I had my yeah. Spider-Man moment when... When uh, Toby was swinging 2002, like I had that moment, and that was big for me. But seeing Bozeman and and Black Panther come to life like that, yeah. like I can, I have always known of Black Panther. I've always been a Spider-Man guy. I know the mythology. I've never done a deep read of the Black Panther stuff. And reason being, not that I didn't think he was cool, not anything like that. Or I didn't, not even, wasn't even on base level of, he looks like me, I should be into this. It was just like, I, I feel like, I did. I felt like it wasn't written for me. I felt like it was a bunch of white dudes writing a black character is what I always thought he was. Yeah. But to see the portrayal of Bozeman in Civil War, and to get into this, like, I, I might have to put Spider-Man number two now. Oh. I might have to take Spidey down and I never thought I'd say this, but <laughs> like it's that major of an effect. And I'm 35, and I saw Spider-Man in theaters when I was uh, I was about to be I was 19 when that came out, and I thought that was awesome. But the feeling I had watching that come to life is I, I can't say anything except say is life changing for me. Yeah, that, my. My favorite thing about this movie is the way that black people look in this movie. We look beautiful. <sighs> yes. Like, if you, like, because you'll notice this more the second time you watch it, but look at the way they like black bodies in this movie. Because there's one, there's one scene in particular that I'm thinking about. It's a scene when the, um, uh, Black Panther's little sister. She's Shuri, in the lab. Yeah. Yeah, she's Shuri. in the lab. The uh, Suri's in the lab with the CIA agent and they're talking about the uh the vibranium trains, right? Mm-hmm. 
there's a scene where she looks to him and half of her face is like this dark deep blue color yeah and the other half of her face is white and so you can see her face perfectly and she looks beautiful the other director would have fucked that light up like our skin looks beautiful in the movie like there's no too dark there's no such thing as too dark skin in this movie yeah like Lupita Lupita looks fucking amazing in this movie I've never she been more attracted to her man she's so I mean I always thought she's beautiful but I've never been more attracted than this movie no no, she's she's A plus plus in this movie dog Mm -hmm. all the women are A plus 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 they are man like the way that Coogler and even I don't know if you ever saw Moonlight but this is the thing where like these are master classes of how to actually light dark bodies where like I mean, because Hollywood, like, you have, like, a, just, there's a bevy of just, like, not only white directors and white writers and white producers, but you have white camera crews, you have white line people and white set designers, but it takes, it doesn't, it doesn't take much, but it does take scale to actually properly light dark bodies on screen, and they do an amazing job, like, there are dark scenes where you can perfectly see everyone's face. Yes. There's not a such thing as a too dark. Even like when even T'Challa it, um, goes under the sand, and then it's that yes. dark, that dark blue and purple with the the little bit of low, low light, and then T'Challa shows up, and like you can see everything. It, yes. That's a, yes, man. Yes, 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 yes. So yeah, man. Like the way that we just look. Just even in just our just our mannerisms and just coming from like just power and like grace and intelligence and confidence, like we look. This is probably the best film I've ever seen black people in. Just the way, just how we look and how we feel and like how we act. Like you know what look, what makes this even better. To, sorry to interrupt, but you know what makes this even better for us. It's that? it's not Twelve Years a Slave. It's not it's a retelling not. Of, of Malcolm X. It's not some kind of tragic thing that's happened to us. It is a powerful story of us that's not in a bad light. Like it's not straight out of Compton. As much yeah. as I love straight out of Compton, and it's like it's like oh yeah, it's cool to see that on screen and that's meaningful. But St. Tom's straight out of Compton is from some bad shit. It came yeah. from a bad place. Um, obviously, there were successful careers from that. But this story isn't just the comic book story told in the MCU. It is a black, good, great story on the big screen yes. in 2018. Yes, man. Like, I mean, we're kings. We're yes. Like, yes. We're, we're not selling dope. Like, we're not, we're not like crackheads. Like, we're actually doing productive things on on camera, and it's amazing to watch, man. I can't even like. I mean, I'm 31 years old, and you're 35 years old. Like, I really couldn't imagine what it would be like being like a like a five or six or seven year old watching this movie. I can't like, wait to show this to Leah. Like, I cannot wait yeah. until she sees Surrey and and Okoye and because because Moana was great for her. But when I can show her these women, and Wonder Woman was great for her too, 
But yeah. when I can show her these women that it, that they're not leading, being led into conflict by a man, they are being they are fighting for the right reason. And that's my, one of my answers to one of your one questions. Because <laughs> because my favorite scene in this movie is at the end when um when the rhino was about to hit Umbarja uh, I, I forgot his yeah name. yes Okoye steps in and then the rhino just stops and yeah that wasn't Buddy, that wasn't um oh boy that stopped it that, that was uh that was the rhino Okoye. yeah yeah Okoye Okoye stepped in front of the rhino and the rhino stopped and then Wakabi Wakabi was on top of it yeah Wakabi gets off the rhino and he says my love would you kill me and she says for Wakanda yes like she had strength yes she had had it all in that one scene she really did it's not not a big monologue (laughs) it's not a big monologue about like like feminine quality woman strength like you have all of that wrapped in just her one gesture and and he knew it and that's why he threw down his sword like she was strength and this movie can teach girls and women that strength is real you can be black and be strong he honored his wife in that moment man he honored his wife which is yes. huge. Like, how many black portrayals are out there right now where, uh, other than, let's say, thus? Funny moment, by the way, when uh, your boy uh, uh, Sterling K. Brown came on the sta- on, onto the screen, had a couple uh, movie girls behind me say, That's Randall! That's Randall! Because that's his name oh, from this is, uh, <laughs> this is Us. And I was like, Oh, no. But uh, they were cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know he was in this movie. That's funny. Uh, nobody but, uh, did. And he had a big. Yeah. He was a major role, and he didn't really have a big role, but he was such a key to the story. Oh, and so we're gonna talk about that. What you're talking about? I have a theory about this movie, and we're gonna talk about it a little later. Okay. So, all right. So, okay. So we definitely agree that, um, you know, going in, we try to hamper expectations, but eventually those gave way, which is so great. And so it definitely lived up to the hype for the both of us. So um, I sort of tipped my answer a little bit. Uh, my MVP of Black Panther was Okoye. Like, she was strong. She was loyal. Like, she was smart. Like, she was fierce. Like, she was my favorite part of the movie. So who do you think was the MVP of Black Panther? I, I got a three-way tie. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, on, D- Denai it definitely is in there. Um, I don't know if you ever watched Walking Dead, but she does the character Michonne, especially in the early seasons before the show went to shit where it's at now. She displayed a lot of this strong will in that character, Michonne, and then she she just took that character, which was created for a random black person we meet in this Walking Dead world, and she took pieces of that character and developed Okoye out of that. Okoye started the casino fight. She said, "I'm made," and and then she threw a fucking wig off. So I almost lost. It was great, right? Oh, and then she, so great. the child is like, "Stand down," and uh, and what's her face? Nakia's like, Nakia's ready to go too. But he's like, "No, just just wait, just wait." And she's like, "Fuck it, I'm made." <laughs> and then she goes about it, about it on everything, yo. 
she was yeah. incredible. Like I can't say enough. I cannot even even when in the moment when when um Killmonger is like wanting to change the Wakanda directives and ha- and send the weapons out in the world and I I think it might have been his uh T'Challa's mom who said to her Ramonda said something to her about you're going to stand with with this monster and and she, or maybe it was Nakia and she's like he's my yeah. king like even in that moment it was like she's loyal she knows it's wrong but she still yeah. knows T'Challa lost fair and square yeah and that's the thing yeah yeah keep going keep going and that for me was another big point that I loved. She didn't like immediately like, like, oh my king and break down or anything. And none of them did. To be completely honest with you, they were sad when they he did. went over the waterfall. But there was no ended morning scenes. There was nothing. They were like, what do we do next? And the next thing you know, we got Nakia, um, yeah. doing trying to um get ready to go see um Mbaku. Yeah, Okoye was loyal to the throne, and she was unwavering. And by being loyal to the throne, she's loyal to her country. Yes. And so she did not waver in that, and that made her, like, one of the strongest people in the movie. Like, she knew her duty, and she played her part. And so, and so yeah, so whenever, um, whenever she, like, whenever she said, my heart is with you, but I can't. Like, she meant that shit. Like, her heart was with T'Challa. Mm-hmm. But her sense of duty, you know, it, it motivated her to, you know, to serve the throne that she had to serve no matter who was on the throne. Yes. So, so yeah, man. So, I think she was very strong in that moment. Uh, the, my other two that I, I'm going to go over real quick, uh, Letitia right as a Surrey. Uh, it oh, was, was great. great to see an Iron Man level character in this tiny black beautiful woman, uh, Tony Stark caliber intellect. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Um, oh no, she's smart. No, she's she's literally the smartest person in the world. Right. She's right. She's smarter than Tony. Yes. But at the same time, to still be connected with reality and not be this freaking Sheldon like. Um, uh, brain, brainiac where she can make fun of her brother's sandals and crack jokes on oh you're gonna bring me another white boy to fix and <laughs> still be grounded but know that in any situation she's the most brilliant mind in a room and then to hold her own in the bo- final battle psh, get out of here man like she, oh, she's my favorite Disney princess I'm, I'm gonna talk a little bit about that battle in a, in a little bit too but but yeah so who's Who's um? I, I love her too. She's she's fucking. So who's your who's your third place? Who's your third title? You, you you know you you see the name on Twitter <laughs> now. You see the name wow. hyphen Killmonger, Eric wow. Eric B Jordan, who I've been a fan of since he was Wallace. And Eric B Jordan or Michael B Jordan? Did I say Eric B Jordan? Ha! Yeah. <laughs> Michael B Jordan. Shout out to Eric Jordan. Uh, Michael B Jordan, who I've been a fan of since he was Wallace, um, and his other roles, uh, famously known as Adonis Creed Johnson, Johnson Creed now going into Creed Two production now as Eric Killmonger. I clap when he threw T'Challa over the waterfall, and I'm not ashamed to say it. Wow! Mm-mm. I knew T'Challa Boy, was. I knew T'Challa. I knew T'Challa was going to be okay, but I, in that moment, he beat him the right way, and he 
he he beat him in combat. He did, man. He he I, mm, he was. Mm. I mean, that was definitely Bane versus Batman in war. So he definitely overpowered him. Better better than Bane versus Batman in the sewer. Much better. Oh, Is this your king? Is this your king? Yo, imagine walking into your job and saying, "Is this your manager?" <laughs> yo, imagine. Oh, yo, imagine going to your manager desk, throwing the papers off, and saying, "Is this your manager?" And then everyone just looks shook. Man, imagine just doing that. Oh, but um, so. and, and and he took out his uh, the guy who got his father killed. He took out Zuri, man. Oh, he did, yo. I, I mean, uh, that wasn't, I mean, was that, that wasn't, really, I don't think that was Zuri's fault, man. I mean, he pulled a gun on Zuri. Like, what you, like, what well, you expect, dog? Right, right, right. Yeah, I know. So, okay, so we can take that into segue. So, you're tied for third place Killmonger, his character. So, I got to ask you, since he's, he's, he's your, uh, favorite leading, he's your favorite man in the movie. Was Killmonger right? Did he, was his actions all justifiable? Uh, up until the part where he wanted us to take rise up and and be the master race. <laughs> that, that, I mean, that's, that's obviously, obviously, that's the <laughs> uh. As as great of an idea as it sounds, that there's a mystical country out there who can help us all and us be on top, as he said. I think Chachala's way of thinking later in the film is the more proper way to go about it, and he realized that. He even offered to save Killmonger because he knew he was right, and he thought there was redemption in him. But then my man hit him with that stone-cold line about, throw me in the ocean. With my ancestors who knew that drowning was better than being, I messed it up, but being in bondage. Like, yeah. that, that shit was so real. Like, I, I went with three white dudes, man. And my boy Gary, <laughs> my boy Gary was like, oh my God. Like, a- Anthony was jumping up and down. We came back to the house. He was so excited about it. He, he was like, I, it had an effect on them. I know it did. Yeah. I know it yeah. did. And. So that's the. A- he he was partially right. I, I think Wakanda did aiding its people in some kind of way is the right thing to do. Becoming a master race is never the right thing to do. Yeah, man, that's that's the whole jig, see. I mean because you you can definitely have an argument that Wakanda through their advancements and their like science and technology, like they advanced themselves while while the world for black people was like the planet sunk, mm-hmm. and so and so yeah. And so he specifically like his father was killed uh, by Wakanda, and they left him abandoned. So, right. Yeah, man. That so was so like, shitty, man. It totally was, man. And so and you can tell can, how can how heavy it weighed on uh T'Chaka and on a Zuri man, you could you could tell how much they like, especially once uh, T'Challa was talking to spiritual version of T'Chaka, T'Chaka, and then when he was asking Zuri for answers, like you could tell that they they bared this burden of this child they left in Oakland 
all these years, man. Yeah, man. And so if you look at it like in the sense he's he's a he's a kid who had his militant dad and he grew up in Oakland in like, you know, the nineties and so who knows what you know wild shit he saw then. Even if he's growing up just like in the early nineties and seeing, you know, crack and seeing like the ramifications of like housing discrimination, job discrimination and two records. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean NWA records like the fuck the police. They had with enemy posters on the wall. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. I mean, man. So you can tell that like there's this animosity within him. And I ultimately think that if you want to say that he was right for I mean, how many people that took him to, uh, places over by force rule the right way, you know? Right. And so, especially with sort of like these overthrowing sort of like government takeovers. Like, this isn't like, you know, some sim, like the Sim City. No, <laughs> man. People's lives, like, it doesn't look like that in real life. And so, yeah, I think he was ultimately wrong. Because even then, like, I, in a, and something that I noticed the second time I watched it is at the end, you know, he definitely talks about we're going to be the masters and Wakanda's going to look the right way. But if you really look at it, his training is all about slash and burn. It's basically infiltrate governments and destroy them. Yeah, and Ross he said wanted, that, yeah. He wanted to do that on a national scale. So he's not really about just sort of being the master race. He's just about anarchy. He's and Joker. He is. He, he totally is. And so how, how can you basically give these people weapons and say, not only have weapons, they're just going to bow down to you, but they have weapons now. So how does that really going to work? So, right. so yeah, man, everything as far as, because the funny thing is, I know you said that he sent it, you know, he definitely offered to, you know, keep them alive. But even before then, T'Challa, before the the actual their, um, their battle, he told him, he said, this is your last chance and we can do this another way. Which means that they literally could have had a conversation about, you know, these Wakandan uh, uh, humanistic efforts. We can actually implement these. And he said, no, I'm going to throw your ass over this cliff and I want to kill Forrest Whitaker with a semi-terrible accent. <laughs> like, that's what we're going to do. And so, and so, yeah, man. So, I think people sort of, um, well, I know I'm not thanking you because you've got yourself, you know, thoroughly, but I think some other people on Twitter um, and just social media, they have the wrong idea of what Killmonger actually was. Right. And so, and so you can make the argument that overthrowing repressive leaders is you know something important which it is but what he was talking about it wasn't just that it was anarchy so that's that's never a good thing right because i mean there's there's i mean i haven't dug this deep but i'm sure there's some out there who's tweeting that eric killmonger could lead us into darkness against donald but honestly you would just replace some one <laughs> megalomaniac with another one so so that exactly. wouldn't quite work but i the thing i love about killmonger is is the struggle he was born of the the fact that he did respect the rituals of Wakanda and then defeated the king in hand-to-hand combat and then on top of that he took down their greatest enemy no problem um and it it, it was all the little 
little nuances and in, in the, the speeches and the way he carried himself and the swagger that did it for me. But I draw the line of that Master LeBray shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because even because the point of people, because it's like he talked about Wakanda. He, he basically sort of tried to shame them about not helping black Americans or other Africans across the country. and But he killed a black girl. Right. So that girl who was right. He shot her right in the like, ass, man. Yeah. So it's like, okay, really? All right. Okay. I see what you're doing now. Do you think do you think the scars were too much? Cuz I I'm, um, I've never really looked into the to figure out if that was something from the comics, but do you think the 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 scarring the way they did it was overly done or cuz maybe I'm dumb, but I have no idea how you get those marks on your skin like that. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, the shit's on the back, somebody got to help you with that. Right. <laughs> right. But I mean, I mean, I cuz he said he got one for every kill. And if you listen, like, if you go back, whenever you watch it, you'll see that the CIA guy was saying he was racking up kills like video games. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and, and he was like special forces. And like you said, like he was, his job was taking down and infiltrating governments. So he, he called bodies like, he called bodies like a motherfucker. So Yeah, and I'm going to make a Mr. Zazz and cut himself up. But I almost felt mm-hmm. like we... With, even without that, I felt like that visual wasn't needed to his character. It's a minor minor gripe of mine. I don't know. Oh, uh, I mean, he, I mean, I, maybe that was just the win. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's Michael B. Jordan. I mean, what, what can you say? He's a beautiful fucking guy. Well, obviously, I mean, he could still had his shirt off and been no problem. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, maybe I'm just thinking that. too much about the, how he got those specific scars all over his I body. Mean, I mean, he looked pretty killer, so I'm not, I can't even find Like, it did look pretty cool. Oh, yeah. But, it looked great. It looked great. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But man, I'm deep diving again too much. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we went over. We definitely talked about Killmonger mm-hmm. and other, our other favorite characters. And so you seen Wonder Woman, right? Yes. Watched okay, so it talk- um, last month. So we talked a little bit about, um, you know, Okoye and also some other women from Black Panther. And actually, the reason I want to ask you this is because I'm actually writing a little bit about this. So I was having a conversation uh, with my half. Shout out to Daniel. And what <laughs> we up, were, Dal? We were talking about uh, after the first time we saw it. We were talking about. Um, well, I asked her, like, do you think that Black Panther did a good job with feminism as Wonder Woman did with feminism in that movie? And she thought Black Panther blew it out the water. Yeah, and, it really and, did. Oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, I think so, too. But I, I think it's a little closer in than what she, what she says because, I mean, cause I think that in Wonder Woman, the women were very strong. And like they were very independent, mm-hmm. but at the end of the in, at the end of the movie, Wonder Woman basically sacrifices her identity just for a man. When at Black Panther, none of that shit was happening at all. Like right. these women, these women were here, like they were doing their thing. Like they loved. I mean, they they took care of men and they loved them, and you know they knew how important T'Challa and everyone else was, but. Nah, dog. We we are going to be women. We're going to 
we're gonna do this shit the right way, even when all the men are fucking up. And I think that's I think I think Black Panther does do it very, very, very well because there's no like like I said before, there's no long monologue of you know women are just as good as men. Like they just do it. They literally just do it. Mm-hmm. And then there's no there's no questioning. Like there's not a moment in this movie where you question if there's a weak woman. It's not a single moment. And so and so yeah, I think they did feminism. Um, I think they may have done feminism probably better than any comic movie I've ever seen in my life. Yes. The the main thing we're we're suffering from as far as our, our feelings is recency bias. because uh, Wonder <laughs> Woman is now from last summer and we just saw this movie and we feel these characters are so strong. But main thing I thought about and I mentioned before was with Wonder Woman the main reason that she the movie gets started I mean we're introduced to uh, like everybody on uh, I'm going to say it wrong the island where all the Amazons are from uh, yeah. and then man Steve shows up and then there, there's a shootout and then next thing you know Wonder Woman's on a boat to London and yeah. she's following this man back yeah. to, right like this, the whole plot is kind of driven by a dude and with Black Panther like obviously yeah, uh, T'Challa is the main character, but then you look at like some of their defining things. Like I already said, Okoye started the casino fight. Uh, Suri is always ready for Wakanda to be in conflict because she's trying to protect the secrets. Nakia is a, a secret agent, a, a spy. Uh, she's a war dog, and when she did what she did, as soon as uh, she thought T'Challa was dead, was she was defending Wakanda. It wasn't, yeah, it was direct response to something a man did, but it wasn't along the lines of, I have to find my love and bring him back. It was like, we need to get Wakanda in a better place than where it is right now. Everything was driven by them. And and that was a main takeaway I took away from, the main takeaway I took away <laughs> uh, <laughs> from, from the film. Like, in versus Wonder Woman, like, yeah, there's some great scenes in Wonder Woman. I, uh, Really love the scene when they're in uh, that battlefield and they're kind of like at that stalemate, and she decides to intervene and she helps that uh, vindicate that village. And then turns out the village ends up getting uh, attacked again, like later in the film, if I'm recalling correctly. But that was spawned by Diana. That was on her to make that. And that was a big moment where Steve was like, "No, come on, we're not fighting right now." And she's like, "Oh well, fuck that. I'm gonna go out here and do what I need to do." And that was an awesome moment. I'm um, watching Wonder Woman. Um, it's just I feel like Black Panther had more of those moments, and there are more important beats in the film. Yeah, man. Because even because even if um, if you look at Black Panther and the scene where they're plotting to get um, the. Uh, uh, I don't his name, but the white guy. They're planning to get him. Ross. They're trying to. Get oh no, Claw, Claw, yeah, Claw, Claw. Yeah, Claw. The button get Claw, and the the guy can get out. He's like, "Let me come with you. I will come help you." And so he's like, "Nah, stay here, protect the border." And then who does he bring with him? He doesn't it's, bring. He brings a Koye. <laughs> he brings a Koye, and he brings his ex girlfriend. Right. So and so these are two people that he clearly values clearly appreciates and these two women even though he is the king they are his equal in a lot of different ways and so he's like he's not talking down to them they're not talking up to him 
I mean, yeah, they call him king because he's a king, but there's no, there's never like a level of you're a woman, so you have to do woman things. Right. Like, no, there's not. You're, you're a strong person, so you have to do strong things. Like you're a smart person, so you have to do smart things. So, so yeah, I think, I think looking forward, because actually one of the parts that, like I said, I'm sort of writing about this now. And the reason I'm sort of looking at this in this sort of way, because this is something that cause we definitely compare Marvel and DC all the time. Mm-hmm. But this is even a feel that Marvel even fucked up. Because if we being real, I mean, even though we didn't necessarily need it, like Black um, uh, ScarJo, she should have had at least one standalone movie just for her character. Right. But, but she never got one. And... I think that's why she did Ghost in the Shell, because even though like she should not be playing anybody Asian, right? <laughs> but I think she did Ghost in the Shell because this is a character who is incredibly strong and smart, and she is reliant on no one except her own wits. And so she saw this character in this vehicle where it's like, okay, you know, I can be the woman that's on the cover and I can have the power in the movie and I can be the central here and I can kick ass. She should have been doing in a standalone movie. We gave her like a spy movie and then maybe that, maybe it would have planned and maybe it would have been bad, but at least give her, at least give her something to where she just not just like an ancillary character for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, because... Um, she should have definitely got after Avengers. I don't think it was quite there for her to do it after Iron Man 2 because her role was smaller. But after Avengers, for sure, she should have got a movie. And then after um, uh, uh, Winter Soldier, she should have definitely got a movie because that's oh, just yeah. as much her movie as it is Bucky's and Cap's movie. Um, yeah. And for her to not get that and then for her to get that shitty I'm in love with Bruce Banner storyline and Ultron... Yeah. Which yeah. was cool, but I mean, it had really had no effect on the movie at all, and it what it didn't feel believable. Um, as, as cute as Ruffalo and her were, you know, it was just kind of like this is never going to happen. It's a monster, and she's a monster too. But we don't know what her demons are because we can't get a fucking feature film. So we we don't, man. Like I mean, I love Paul Rudd. God bless Paul Rudd. But we should have got a movie for her way before an Ant Man fucking movie. Like that's yes, just yes, like, yeah, man. And but yeah, so they like I said, Marvel. Like I said, Marvel dropped the ball. DC did pick up the ball, but now Black Panther ran with it. Mm-hmm. So now we got to see even in, even in um even in Infinity Wars and with the Captain Marvel movie, we're going to see like what what actually Marvel does with this now because yeah. I mean Marvel Captain Marvel that's gonna have to look as far as just sort of the the femininity of it and women in power and that sort of and that sort of message which I mean we all really I think with the time up movement everyone that's a pull from everyone's mind. And so it'd be really interesting to see what Marvel does with that going forward. I know that he did uh, that Kevin Feige, if that's how you say his name, Feige. I I, I know that I think I'm a, I know that I think. Sorry, I'm pretty sure they've <laughs> greenlit a Black Widow movie now. 
but they're not announcing any anything new until after Infinity War Part One drops. But I'm pretty I, sure I we're going to get one. I just I mean, don't I know heard, how. I, I heard that rumor too. I mean, I feel I don't. I don't think Scar Jo is aged out of her character, but it's no. like. I mean, okay, so if she's going to get a movie, that means she's going to survive Infinity Wars, which, I mean, she survives Infinity Wars, that's totally fine, but if she's going to be, like, the only carryover from the first, you know, three phases, or, I don't know, I feel like, or if they're going to do, like, a, um, like a time piece where they're going back in time to her actual origins, and then her be, like, a young adult spy or whatever, so, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean... If any time to do it, I mean, if we're going to do it now, they got to do this shit like really, really soon because like I said, I mean, I mean, I don't want her to age out. I don't want her to look sort of, I guess, older than what her role actually is in the movie. But, yeah. But if they give, even if they give like, let's say her character the standalone, but they get like another young actress, like an actress a shot at it. Okay. I can see that. I can be with that. But I mean, they got to get started with something. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they really I mean, owe it to her, man. And yeah. um, I, I even if it's just just give me one good one. I don't I don't yeah. need two sequels, man. Give me one good one that pushes the story. She gets to do her thing. But I actually got a couple theories about uh about Black Panther and the, and the MCU going oh, forward. So make sure we talk about that before we get out of oh. here. You said you had a theory too. You want to talk oh, about? Oh, you can get into this now. This made my favorite part, man. So. All right, so let's kick around some theories. I have a mega theory that I have no clue is, is true at all, but I'm just going to put it out there because I was talking about it last night with my girl. So in Black Panther, I think we see the Infinity Stones. Where did you see it at? Because I did not see it. You've seen it twice. I didn't see it on my first watch. Okay, so I, I got to give a little background for this. So <laughs> I'm going to sound like a real fucking nerd boy. I don't give a fuck, man. Okay. Uh, it's, black, it's black history, my fucking Absolutely. History. <laughs> All right, so in the beginning of our story, the beginning of the movie, we see the story of Wakanda, and we see the tribes war over the vibranium, and, you know, we see how, you know, one tribe dominates all, right? And then... You see how they use vibranium to advance their technology, their science, their you know education, and they become the most civilized um, you know country in our, in our in our world, right? Yes. In the very beginning, we see a meteorite hit Wakanda, and then the meteorite creates vibranium. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think that's actual vibranium. I think the meteorite that hits Earth is an Infinity Stone. And then they're just able to, I guess, mine the stone for and create vibranium. I think they have the blue Infinity Stone because if you look at if you look at the movie, and then specifically for Suri's um, armor, like her, her plasma holes, they shoot like a blue rifle. Mm-hmm. Whenever she, whenever she talks to the CIA agent, we see her loading her weapons with like a blue stone thing, and then later in the movie we see her shoot the blue plasma at um, Killmonger, right? Yes. So I think the Wakandas figured out a way to, like I said, mine 
and channel the Infinity Stone create they don't I don't think they advance the society because of vibranium. I think they advance it because they have power of the infinity stone and they can use that to create vibranium. And then that energy from the infinity stone is basically powering their entire society. Mm, love it. I love it. Yeah. I, I thought that's what you were going to say when I saw that. Um, so, with that being said, who actually knows they have an Infinity Stone? Does everybody just know they have an Infinity Stone? Or you feel like Suri knows and then it might stop right there? <laughs> I think they don't know what the Infinity Stone is because only aliens know what it is. So ah, that's true. The, the only people that know about Infinity Stones are Thor... And um, the Guardians, right? Yeah. But true. at this point, at this point, Black Panther, Black Panther never met Thor. Never, he's never met Thor, and the Guardians haven't even been to Earth yet, right? Right. So now the only well, there's, I mean, there are Infinity Stones on Earth. There's the Green Infinity Stone for Doctor Strange. Vision has like the the yellow Infinity Stone, uh, Infinity Stone in his head. Mm-hmm. And the Guardians turned over the Purple Infinity Stone in the first Guardians movie, but I don't know where like the Red Infinity Stone is. And I think there's another Infinity Stone I'm forgetting about. But yeah, yeah, they're because like they know about the Infinity Stone in Vision, but they don't even know. I mean, Thor probably taught them about it, but they don't really know about the rest of the Infinity Stone. So that's why they don't know, particularly for even Doctor Strange. And for the Wakanda Infinity Stone, I don't even know anything about it. I think, I think Suri knows that it's an Infinity Stone, but I felt I feel like she knows exactly the process that vibranium is made from. So I think she yeah. understands that we that they have something that is otherworldly or something very unique. But I don't yeah. think that even T'Challa will know will know the ramifications of what she knows, where she knows that they have this specific stone that powers everything. I feel like that it's only going to, it's going to stop with her. And when Thanos shows up to get this stone, then he's going to be like, uh, what, what the hell is he talking about? And then she'll be like, you'll get this little dialogue of her being like, well, <laughs> there is a stone <laughs> and I've been using it for years. And I, I, I mean, it kind of makes our vibranium. I never really thought, it was major, like you know. Except she'll do it way yeah. better than that. Um, yeah. I kind of feel like that that might be a little plot point, or they might just skip it and be like, nobody knows what it is, and Thanos shows up to come get it. Yeah, because like I said, like I mean, it's it, it's a meteorite, so they don't know what it is. They just see how, like, it basically when it hit Wakanda, they're able to um, grow those plants and then basically mine the plants for the strength of the Black Panther, and then also turn that technology into vibranium and also into weapons. And so that's why all their weapons, they have that sort of blue ore to them Mm -hmm. because I think they're channeling energy from the Infinity Stone. And so, yeah, so, yeah, even Infinity Wars, like, they are going to be in Wakanda for sure. Yes. And so, so Thanos will be coming to Wakanda to get it. Now, in the preview, in the trailer... You see that Thanos has two Infinity Stones. He has a blue one and he has a purple one. So you can make the argument that unfortunately he is going to get this shit from Wakanda 
and the purple one, like I said, um, because apparently that one was turned over in the Guardian of the Galaxy movie, Mm -hmm. um, the first one, and so he's going to find a way to finesse that one, so... Um, Which wouldn't be too hard. I mean, because uh, Dale Fellers has it, so. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, shit. Yeah, I went That's there. Right. I went there. Um, so you ready for my, for my theory? Absolutely. And I, I would have never thought I would have came out of Black Panther thinking this. With as black and as representative and as amazing as this film came out. We're we're going we're planning on doing a Iron Man ten year episode, uh, probably release it right before Iron Man's ten year anniversary in uh, eighteen. So that so look for that coming up. But and we're going to yes. talk about more of the actual MCU stuff there. But without delving too deep into those questions, that yes, you've already prepared. You are <laughs> amazing like that. Um, no problem, man. I appreciate it. Uh, I think that Marvel finally has I, 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 I think Black Panther is going to be the next main guy going forward I feel like this film was as big, big of a deal as Iron Man was where Iron Man was the focal point of phase 1, 2, and 3 I feel like Black Panther can be the focal point of phases 4, 5, and 6 and yes I even, even with throwing him into the Avengers mix, which means we will get two more sequels and at least maybe even three to four Avengers movies, not counting if he's in other movies, if the MCU continues the way it's going. I think Black Panther could be at the center of it. And you can make a case for, oh, they got Spider-Man now. Uh, Chris Evans may or may not have re-signed a longer contract. Robert Downey Jr. is not giving that shit up till he's dead. He's going to be Stan Lee <laughs> making a, a cameos. Uh, I, I feel like they really are in need of someone to take the franchise pellet without rehashing the same heroes. Where yep. I know that uh, there is a... I can't think of her name. There is a black... Um, Black Girl Iron Man now. There is Jamester Thor that's out now. Um, And so there's theories that, oh, they're just going to bring women in to replace the main characters. But if they do not, or even if they don't eventually bring some of the Netflix heroes into the main universe, um, which is all possibility, not that I want to see a full-length Daredevil episode, but or movie, because <laughs> the series are so good, but I feel like at some point they you kind of can go to that well to bring in at least Luke Cage. I think Luke Cage has to be a Blackler, too. Um, <laughs> I think that has to be some kind of meeting. I don't want it to be a typical they ran into each other and fought for 10 minutes kind of deal. Um, I feel like going forward, if you need to have a strong male hero and with much effort as they put into respecting the heritage and tradition and all the extravagance of black culture in this movie that says if we're willing to do this we're willing to make Chadwick Boseman our main guy going forward for the next X amount of years doing this character as long as he's willing that's my theory that they just found their new Iron Man. I mean, it's, it's the highest-grossing movie 
like opening weekend ever. Right. So I mean, like he's getting he's going to get a lot of praise for his performance. I mean, they did. I mean, they did sort of build it up in the same way as Tony Stark in the original Iron Man movie, where it's like, you know, he's a he's a guy who he has something with his kingdom, but he doesn't know what to do with it until he figures out at the end what to do with it. And so, even at the end of Black Panther, the um, the guy, the little kid, asking, "So, what's your name?" That's that's the same thing that happened at the end of Iron Man One. The reporters are, you know. Tony's gonna lie about you know not being Iron Man. Then he says, "I'm Iron Man." Right, yeah. And and that in that moment, and I know we're gonna talk about it here next month or so. But that moment in Iron Man One, when I first saw it, and I mean, I I didn't see it coming. To be completely honest with you, had to prepare the story, and I mean, he had just survived um, Iron Monger, and. You were you're just waiting for the little typical happy wrap up, and then he just goes off script and says, "I am Iron Man," and it ends, and then get Nicky like after the credits. It's just it it's such a big moment, and and I I do feel like those beats that they hit, especially with him going to the UN and announcing Wakanda is not what it seems, and they're going to be more open, and then him getting shots at Trump. Um, which was awesome uh, about building barriers. <laughs> um, I, it felt very Iron Man esque. So I, I think I think it's there, man, and I hope they take they take the opportunity. In it. Yeah, man. I think I think with I mean because uh, yeah, we are going to get into it next month, but they are building Phase Four on a lot of good characters, especially you know Black Panther, Spider Man. Then with Captain Marvel, and even with, I mean, even with Ant-Man 2, you know, um, they are trying to build a foundation of where they're going to go for the future, and I don't think Chris Evans is going to come back, but maybe, we're going to talk about, there's, there's some questions about that in the next one, we'll go, we'll go deeper into that one on the next pod, but, yep. uh, but yeah, man, so it'd be really interesting to see what they do with Avengers, especially you know the main characters, and hopefully you know we get some of the trailers, and you know we get some you know, maybe even leak. Well, not if it's a leak, I don't want to care about leaks. I don't really want to. I don't want to. I don't want to be like surprised by a leak coming show. But we'll you know pine over these trailers, and hopefully we'll see a half a second of something important in the trailers. Yeah. So you got one more question out of all your uh, Black Panther questions there, sir. Yeah, man. So, okay, so we we agree that Black Panther definitely lived to the hype. Definitely a great, great fucking movie. Actually, two questions. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like I say, uh, Black Panther is a great movie, but recently, stick with Marvel, the Venom trailer released about maybe like two or three weeks ago uh-huh. and honestly it sort of came and went there was a fan there for it and it was um, before I, black panther yeah it was before black panther um there wasn't much like i said talked about it a lot of people sort of um dismissed it as being a little bit lazy and uninteresting um and so a lot of people would consider it lackluster so now that we have this amazing movie that we got from Ryan Coogler 
and Chad, uh, Chadwick Boseman and Black Michael Panther, B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> Peter Youngo. Like, all these great people. Angela Bassett. Now, yes. But we have this movie, but we have also a, sort of a mediocre trailer for I think is another highly anticipated Marvel film off of coming off of Black Panther. Do you trust that regardless of any sort of trailer or any sort of leaks or any sort of hype, do you trust Marvel to get it right with any character and storyline that they make going forward? What I have written down <laughs> is if, it, if it's an official Marvel Studios movie, yes. And that's the thing with Venom. They do wear Spider-Man with Sony now. But yeah. as far as I can tell, and I definitely checked, Venom is is supposed to take place in the MCU because uh, Spidey is a part of that. Um, and I think yeah. Spidey does show up at some point in Venom. I don't think they're in conflict between the two of them yet um, is what the plan is. But it's, it's a sub-film. Is a thing, so it's still like they're licensing out characters so instead of it being a cooperative thing like Homecoming was. So, with that said, I am worried about this movie. I the trailer didn't do anything eye popping, it is a teaser trailer. Who knows yeah. what we'll see two to three months from now? But the, the as someone who I've always been on the fence about Venom because. My thing is, whenever something gets super popular, I'm kind of adverse to it. Like it's kind of like, oh well, if you like it, then why the hell am I going? Shit. <laughs> um, especially Venom when it gets- was Venom. Yeah, Venom was super popular in the 90s. Right, though. he was, and I liked his spider the stories he's in Spider Man is. But then once he took off in his own series and everything else, and he got Wolverine levels of popular, I'm like, why is this so over? Like I don't get it. Like yeah, he's a cool character, but I never, I never saw the major appeal of him being, yo, know, I'm, a, I'm a big Venom dude. Like no, Venom is mad because the uh, Spider-Man rejected the the symbiote, and then Spider-Man ruined Eddie Brock's career. They come together, they both want to kill Spider-Man, and he doesn't set off Spider-Man's uh, spider sense. So that's his whole gimmick. And like yeah. once you get past that, with even if you want to bring in, I'm a lethal protect, protect innocence. It's like that's bullshit. Like, d- dude, no, you're <laughs> supposed to be trying to murder Spider-Man because he ruined your life. And yeah. and then w- once you get past that, I've never seen the appeal. They've done some cool thing in the comics where they made they took the suit off of Eddie Brock and gave it to Flash Thompson. He was like Agent Venom and stuff, but then now it's back on Brock because it's comic books. I. I just don't see how they're going to pull this off in a believable way. Any way to do Venom if you're not going to have it be straight up Spider-Man versus Venom is horror. And they're not doing a horror movie, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's it's definitely not going to be that. I mean, hopefully they can test it to where it is sort of like what they did with Homecoming, where it's like, we'll give you the Sony title just in name. But everything else really is just Marvel Studios. Yeah. And and I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt because it is sort of a, t- uh, a, a teaser trailer. And, I mean, they actually, to the best of my knowledge, like, they only wrapped the movie, like, I don't know, like a, a couple of weeks before they actually released the trailer. So, I mean, you're not going to completed stuff then, but... Yeah. 
I, I don't know, man. That trailer, I was, I mean, I'm definitely a Tom Hardy fan, and I definitely wanted to see what they do with Venom. But, um, but yeah, man, this, this definitely doesn't leave a good feeling, naturally. But, I don't know, maybe they can, like, with some more trailers and, you know, just more plot points coming out for the movie, maybe that can increase it. But, uh, but yeah, man, so far it's not looking too good. So, with that said, Wasp and the trailer was also before uh, Black Panther. What was yeah, your really? what's your reaction to that? Yeah, did you not have that? Oh no, no, I did. I said, yeah, I thought you but, said um, it was <laughs> like it was <laughs> like yeah, I thought so. <laughs> what well, the funny thing is, I I haven't even seen the original Ant Man yet, but I'm not gonna. I actually want to see Ant Man and Wasp. That looks good. And so that actually makes me want to watch the original. Ant is, uh, it was like Guardians for me. I went in with super low expectations. Guardians, of course, blew him out of the water. And Ant-Man blew, blew him out of the water, too. One, you got Paul Rudd, who can do no wrong. Yeah. And if yeah. any kind of sexual rumors come out about Paul Rudd doing something wrong to a girl, I might just, I don't know what I might do in the next couple of months if somebody comes out against Paul Rudd. <laughs> Paul Rudd... Uh, Go ahead. If we can't trust, if we can't trust Paul Rudd, just men, men are just trash. If we can't trust Paul Rudd, man. men are trash. Yes, we sir. Yeah. Um, but Paul Paul Rudd is great in that movie, uh, and the story's cool. Uh, you got one of my favorite actors who, obviously, is a piece of trash. Um, Michael Douglas is a movie. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> um, your girl uh, Evangeline Lilly, I think I got that right. Uh, she she plays Janet Van Dyne. It's it's really good, and it, it and honestly, if uh, in rewatchability, I would say it has one of the higher rewatchability um, is one of the higher films in the MCU that I could watch over and over is Ant Man. So oh, make sure you take yeah, man, because like a lot of the movies, like I'd say like I don't know if you see Avengers on, you're going to stop and watch Avengers. Um, yeah, uh, if you're not. First, first Avenger, I, I, you get that feeling. Ragnarok, I feel like, will fall in that category. Guardians falls in that category. But then the other ones is kind of like you kind of have to commit to the story and really sit down and watch. Love Iron Man, um, Iron Man Two, Iron Man Three. I don't feel like their the rewatchability is super high outside of it being a comic book movie. But those other yeah. films I mentioned before have high rewatchability like any other movie. Like, oh, Shawshank's on and it's 65 minutes in, but I'm watching this. That kind of rewatchability. And I think Black Panther has that. And I definitely feel like Ant-Man has it. So um, take, do yourself a favor and check it out because it's, some, it's something you can just jump into in and out. And that, that really helps the rewatchability of it. And I don't know how many times it's rewatchability right now, but <laughs> you should check out Ant-Man. I think you really like it. And um, I, I do have my fears that maybe the sequel doesn't live up to the hype, but I think it'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I was impressed by the by the trailer, and I saw it again, and it, it so they showed the same exact previews, and so I saw right. the trailer again, and uh, yeah, man, it it looks very interesting, it looks very funny. I mean, Paul Rudd is Paul Rudd, so I'm all about him, so I I, I am going to check it out before I see the second one. All right, so we got one last topic to go over before we get out of here, Marcus. All right, what's good? Write this down, and I don't know if it came across the text, but uh, where, where, do, where does Black Panther rank in one? 
MCU for you, and two superhero movies. Well, for MCU, man, I'll, I'll say it's simple as this. Black Panther's top two, and it's not two. <laughs> I saw that tweet. I, I, yeah, man. Man. I mean, because I'm thinking, I mean, because he, before this movie, Winter Soldier was my number one for MCU. Uh, Civil War is really high up there. The original Iron Man is really high up there. I mean, the new Spider-Man Homecoming was really high up there. But, nah, man, this this has got to be number one for me because I, leaving the movie theater and just, like, thinking about the movie, just made, just made me happy thinking about the movie, man. Like, yeah. I got I got excited about the movie during the movie, after the movie, the second watch of the movie, after the second watch of the movie. How about it now? Like, this movie, even visually, like, storyline everything holds up extremely well and like i said once you watch it again everything everything is better the second time you watch it so yeah for me for mcu is like my number one for mcu um for my overall comic book movie favorite movie i mean or it's, better it's better still, better way to say it is the the can it go toe to toe with dark knight as far as because I feel like Dark Knight is the pinnacle of comic book movies. Can it go up there with Dark Knight for you? I think that whenever you look at Dark Knight, when it initially came out, people were more drawn to the psychology of Dark Knight than the actual comic book story of it. Yes. So you really forget that there's a guy in a cape and a cow. And a bat a suit. Yes, yes. Around. And so with this movie, like, you're going to be looking at, you know, Killmonger's relationship and the trauma that he had from losing his father. You're going to think about the strength of women and how true equality between them and one. This is something you have to make grand stances about. You can just do it and it'll work. Like, you'll think of, like, just sort of just black people being intelligent and being kings and doing a lot of cool, smart, fly shit. Like you're you're gonna think a lot about the movie more than you think about a guy with cat ears on his skull. So I think I think it's a little too early to say if it's better than the Dark Knight, but at the same time, like it's gonna go really toe to toe with the Dark Knight in the long run. And like I said, the Dark Knight people are very moved by Heath Ledger's performance in the Dark Knight. Is 100% um, earned. I don't think there'll be any villain in any movie better than Heath Ledger was in Dark Knight. But at the same time, if we're talking about heroes, Ch- uh, T'Challa was a better hero than Bruce Wayne in Dark Knight. And so I can definitively say that now. But overall in the movie, it's going to take a little more time to think about, but I mean, it's it's not it's definitely in a conversation. It's not it's something you cannot dismiss. And like I said, man, we're gonna look at Black Panther. Like I said, like you're gonna take your daughter to see Black Panther, and she's gonna see a lot of special women do a lot of special things, man. Yeah, and that's something. And that's something that like you're not gonna be able to take away from the Dark Knight. And so I'm sorry, you take away from Black Panther. So 
So yeah, man. I mean, I mean, if it's if it's not there today on February the twentieth, twenty eighteen. It may be there February the twenty second, <laughs> but but yeah, it's 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 going to go down as one of the best man that we have, yo. Yeah, I I have to agree. It's, it's my number one MCU. I haven't seen it twice yet, but I know number two. Yeah. Would, number two would be Avengers. Um, and then as far as it going toe to toe with Dark Knight, you hit all the right points. The the main appeal of Dark Knight. That when I first left that theater in 2008 was I felt like I watched a film and not a superhero movie. Yeah. I felt like I watched a coherent film start to finish. And I still feel that way when I sit down and watch Dark Knight. You get drawn in by all the pieces. And you do tend to fit, forget that there is a man running around in a giant bat suit. Um, so, that again, recency bias is making me want to say it's better. Um down the road, I, I could be like, I think Dark Knight still edges it. But Dark Knight has its laws, too. And we'll talk about that when we get together later this summer. Talk about the 10-year anniversary of Dark Knight, plug. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, man, we wouldn't, we got plans, y'all. <laughs> uh, but, man, like, the the majesty of Black Panther. I, I have a feeling, a couple feelings. Like, when... um. Miles Morales first showed up in the comic books as like the new Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man, and now he's like in a regular Spider comic book universe. Um, we're like, oh, well, Spider-Man looks like me now. And for me, I was like, well, one of the appeals to Spider-Man was the fact that I know that obviously Peter Parker's in a mask, but when he has everything on, I mean, I could be. A, so that was one of the appeals for me as a kid. Like anybody could be Spider-Man, and that was one of the things that Stan Lee and various writers worked in the story. Is like you whip off that mask. Sometimes they look at puny Peter Parker and like, what the fuck? Like you're not Spider-Man, and yeah. and that was one of the greater appeals. Is anybody on this mask can be this hero, but obviously Parker is the true Spider-Man. Um, I and a lot of people were having that moment with Miles where they were like. Oh well, Miles Spider-Man looks like me, and, and Miles is a black kid, and this is Bruce. And I'm like, I don't know how big it is. I mean, Brian Michael Bendis, one of the most prolific comic book writers in the world, said, "Hey, let me throw a black guy in a costume and sell a couple extra copies this month." And <laughs> that that's kind of the way I always saw it. I never saw characters any better than original, but the. F- when going into this weekend, I knew how important it was that I was going to see a superhero that looked like me, and I didn't feel like this in Civil War, because um, obviously I knew Chadwick Boseman was playing uh, Black Panther in Civil War, and I was still my favorite character that came out of Civil War, um, <laughs> but seeing the regality and everything, it, it feels like... They they best regal parts of coming to America took out all the comedy and then <laughs> and then they were like all right now let's actually put some flair on this shit yeah. and Wakanda is super real to me this uh, it's a light changing moment it still is like I think about seeing the first time I see Ch- T'Challa and seeing them all go to the boat when they're heading to the challenge place and them dropping the them causing the the water all the stops so they didn't go down to the battleground and the, the scenery and then and then Killmonger's last words about what his about what uh, his father had said to him about how beautiful Wakanda was and how he lied to him that he would never 
um, he said he would take him back and he never got to. Uh, it's just like, Marcus, let me, let me tell you how, how amazing this is to me. I <laughs> have not written a rap in over a year. And I've sat here, not just while we we're talking, but earlier today, I have bars, like bars, like dope oh. bars. And the first line in the fucking song, is, the first line in the verse is last night I dreamed of Wakanda. And it goes from there, man. And it, it it's I, I may never record it, but the thing is, like, I felt inspired to start out this verse with these words. And the fact he didn't shit on us, it means everything. And I, I, I know I said shit on us, but it, the fact he didn't do us dirty with this no, film. No, no, they did not shit on blackness, man. That's, that's that's a very important statement to make. Like they did not shit on blackness. They did not dismiss me. Like blackness was here and it was strong and it was and it was great and it was viable. And so they did not dismiss our blackness. Like Hollywood has a history of doing. Yes. So yeah, man. So so yeah, it was it was completely great in that respect. And so I mean that's why it is important that you have people in the room that look like us that represent us that are going to be like oh, we're not going to do a shuck and jive with this we're going to actually do some important thought provoking shit and then we're going to look good while doing it so, right and I love the fact that they didn't just do what I thought Black Panther was as a kid was oh here's a black guy in the MCU let's throw him in New York and have him fight some weird shit like no, they made it about Wakanda. They surrounded him with with uh, people of color. They they made yeah. it a very black story. And now now that we've met these characters, you look at the Infinity War trailer, and there's Okoye, there's Mbaku, uh, yeah. there's there's Suri. You know that these character stories be live beyond Black Panther now. Before it was like, oh, there's some random Wakandians. Now you know who they are. Yeah, man. I mean because. We were talking a little bit about Ghost in the Shell earlier today. Like, imagine, like, just a group of just, like, Japanese and Japanese-Americans, just, like, or even just Asian-Americans in general, just having the budget to do an out-the-box Ghost in the Shell live-action movie. Like, you can't tell me that, like, looking at Black Panther, that, that people that are of Asian descent can't make a dope-ass Ghost in the Shell Without having to play Scarjo or acting, man, you just can't do that anymore. Like, right. that excuse is dead, and that's going to be the greatest thing about Black Panther is that you're not having brown people in movies is dead now. Like, it's completely dead. Like, we are viable, and we have stock, and we have equity, and we have power in our strength and in our intelligence. And in our culture, our culture is strong, our culture is creative. And people have been using our culture for years without giving us the credit. Yeah. And so, and so yeah, like you talked about Justin a, a couple of pods ago, and I wrote about Justin on my, my last post. Where yeah, you wrote like about you Justin, have, that inspired me to talk about Justin again, Lapod, and give you my final decision on where I stand on Justin. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, yeah, man. Like, this guy, he had, he had, he had enough talent, and he had enough intelligence to know that, like, I want to get with the hottest producer 
for real. I'm gonna make a class. I'm gonna make a good ass so new album and people wanna fuck with me heavy. Then he was smart to be like, you know what? I'm gonna go to Timberland. I'm gonna make a follow up, and that's gonna be even bigger than the last album. And so that's how you get future sex and love sounds. And so of of the ten Grammys that Justin has won, nine of them have come from working with black acts and black producers and black yeah. rappers. The, the only Grammy he has that does not have any black on it is he won a Grammy for that Take Back the Night song, which is trash. Exactly. Never liked that song. So, yeah, so we saw we saw the jiggers up with Justin. And with Black Panther, we're seeing the jiggers up with by giving black people vehicles to do amazing shit. Like, we have earned the vehicle since we've been in this motherfucker. <laughs> and so, yeah. this is just affirmation of that. Like, this is affirmation of a create, and that is fun. And that people, you don't have to be black to, to, to even just get blackness. Like, you can enjoy black culture coming from black people. Like, you can be white, you can be Hispanic, you can be Asian, going to all black coming out the movie saying that damn that was a dope ass fucking movie yep you know so and so I can be a black guy I can go to an all like an all Mexican movie and thinking that wow you know that's that's a great ass movie I don't need to be like embedded into Mexican culture to get the movie I can watch the movie and know that these people this entire shit and they deserve the credit for it and so that's what Black Panther is and so that's why it deserves all the money that it got and any sort of sequel that it's going to get and any role that you know we said that you know he can be the Tony Stark to lead phase four and you know they deserve that they earn the right to do that yeah it, it, it's the best it's going <laughs> it's going to take it's going to take some acts acts of God to make me waver from that now, now my I already got fears worrying about how bad the sequels are going to be. <laughs> I mean, this, the sophomore jinx is real, so yeah, I'm I'm going to go into the movie thinking the sophomore jinx is real. I want to lower my expectations again, and we'll see there. But I, I'm comfortable enough knowing that they've earned my trust for a sequel, and so I can live yeah. on that. And so then we'll see what happens with the sequel, man. We um, we've done that with every other franchise, you know, that has walked the face of the earth that has dope original than a try to do sequels. So this is something that's actually earned that as well. So we're gonna give it that chance. Oh man. such such a such a moment. I, I I'm I'm glad we're here. I'm just glad we're here. <laughs> yes. This is this is Moonlight's redemption. <laughs> this is this is definitely part of Moonlight's redemption narrative. For for uh, freaking, I'm never going to watch that movie. By the way, I'm never watching La La Land. I, I plan on maybe oh, getting no. around to it. I'm not watching that <laughs> shit now. Yeah, man. The only music, only like three musicals: uh, The Wiz, Streets is Watching, and Purple Rain. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's hood as that's hood as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, this is Black History Month, man. We keep it, it is Black, black History Month. Let's keep it black. All right, man. Well, um, I, I, if I got Marcus, then I guess we should just go ahead and, and do the wrap-up real quick. And uh, we'll, we'll get him out of here. So so you, you get to join in when you want to. 
So, so sit tight. Uh, if you're in the Apple Podcast, you can uh, get, you can find Hype Nation on the search Nation. Uh, while you're there, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe. If you rate the show and you review the show, the iTunes algorithm picks it up and more people are exposed to the show. So please hit us with that five stars. Greatly appreciate it. If you read, a, if you put a review, I'll read it good or bad because I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I've read good reviews. I'll, I'll read a few bad ones. Like, man, you talk a lot. Like, yeah, I do. This is going to be a two-hour episode. I don't care. I, I don't care. I don't care. This is the world's greatest podcast. The Barack Obama approved world's greatest podcast. Main. 44, baby. Hit him with that full folk. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so make sure you do that when you're on Apple Pods. For my Android people out there, Google Play Music. Search hyphenation. It updates a little quicker than Apple Podcasts. You'll get the episodes right there on your Android devices, on your notes, on your galaxies. All the people still holding it down over there because I am still on this iPhone and it's works, so I'm leaving it at that. Uh, where else? Stitcher. You can find us on Stitcher on YouTube.com slash B hyphen. All the 53 episodes are up on there. Um, where else are a pocket cast we're available on there on the tune in app available there if you google us we're like the very bottom result hyphen nation you type in hyphen nation podcast you'll find us there for sure top results top results for the win um hyphen podcast group has every episode that uh, every new episode is going to have that hyphen podcast group.com coming soon and i do mean that this time i have the domains um and then I'm, I'm flip-flopping some things in my own personal. You know, you can find it on victoryjumpoff.wordpress.com. All 53 episodes are on there. And if you are in the RSS feeds, you take feeds.feedburner.com slash hyphenation2016. You turn to some base, you put it into your favorite podcast listening device, and you can get all 53 episodes of fire. I'm not, not going to do it loud because people are sleeping, but still. <laughs> In your podcast, listen to Vice. Right there. And that's how it's done. If you want to contact the show, hit me up. B hyphen, B H Y P H E N, on Twitter. Uh, B hyphen at gmail.com or on Facebook, hyphen universe. If you want to get a hold of my regular co host, Marcus, show Mad Love Robinson, tell him how to do it. Uh, Twitter is a show Mad Love is. S H O W I N M A D L O V. You can hit me up there or visit my blog at the Mark Rob. That is T H E M A R C R O B dot WordPress dot com. Uh, like I said, I just recently wrote about Justin Timberlake and Lenny's great piece shit show. But, yes, I, but you know, like I said, this is Black History Month, so we're celebrating Black greatness today. And that's why I'm honored to be a part of this uh, historic and legendary world's greatest podcast, my brother, Be Hype. Absolutely. Thank, thank you, Marcus. I appreciate those kind words, buddy. And the Mark Rob is an uh, official sponsor of Hyphen Nation, the only sponsor that matters because they're the only ones that we have. <laughs> so, with that said, man, be good to yourselves and each other. Shout out to Jerry Springer. Uh, Go out in the world and do good things. Put more positivity in the world. The negativity, the positivity is real. Um, call your mom. Hug your girl. Uh, hug your babies. Have have uh, uh, have real interactions with people if possible. Get that negativity out of your life no matter what that may be. 
no matter what you may do. Marcus, you have anything you want to throw in there? Oh, quick thoughts, man. I listened to the last pod, and, you know, we're not going to get too heavy, you know, because we're about to end this, but uh, I definitely know you were talking about, um, you know, the powers and the, you know, sort of reality of dealing with depression every day. And even if it's seasonal depression, um, you know, definitely to get that out there and talk about that and confront that. Um, you know, there's always people to talk to. There's always counselors. There's always friends. There's always family members. There's always people you love you can reach out to. Um, Kellen, you know, he definitely talked about that, you know, just, you know, seasonal depression and, you know, just dealing with that. As someone that I definitely got through that, um, you know, depression, not only just, you know, seasonal, but, you know, sometimes like happiness in life sucks sometimes, but it's always better to get those things out there, those feelings, and if you need help, there's always help along the way. Absolutely, man. Very good point. So, uh, apologies to Markel Fultz. Your jumper is still trash. Oh, um, that, that, oh, oh. well, we, we want to keep it positive, but I make a shot trash. Oh, my yeah, God. man. How, how, how in the world? That, that's why I'm making that my new inline. But, but, <laughs> but instead of the typical thanks, y'all, or even beyond Mark, poor Markel, way to end this, bro. Wakanda, Wakanda forever, man. <laughs> Throw the X up. Throw the X up. Wakanda forever. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for being on, bro. Always a pleasure. And I'm gonna say it anyway. Thanks, y'all.